Now what will it be? Death or exile? Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us again today. Today, we are going to talk about our thoughts on the rise of Skywalker. This is an episode I've really been looking forward to ever since we did our preview episode, and we've got the whole cast back to uh, join us again to talk about uh, our thoughts on this film and uh, take a look back at some of the thought things that we thought would happen and see how that compares to what actually happened in the film. So uh, I'll introduce our returning crew today. Uh, starting with uh, Christian. Welcome, Christian. Great to have you back. You too, man. I've been looking forward to this as well. We did our little review of Just Rise of Skywalker, but we haven't talked about any of these theories yet that we had and where we struck out, where we nailed a home run. So I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I can't wait to get into it. And that's, uh, that's a big part of what, what we all love about Star Wars, the theorizing and, uh, and then seeing what we actually get. And we've got uh, Lupe joining us today too. Lupe, welcome. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm I'm glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this one too. I haven't said too much about the rise of Skywalker on my social media, so I have bottled up all that charged energy and I am going to unleash <laughs> on this podcast. Awesome, Lupe. I can't wait for that blast of positivity to hit me. And, uh, <laughs> and Craig, I know I know you're with me on this. Uh, you're gonna have my back on on my love for this film today. So, uh, Craig, welcome, and uh, it's great having you back as well. Yeah, I'm so excited. I, same as Lupe, I've bottled up a lot about this, and I've been obsessed with it. I've seen it twice, and just it's been just twisting my mind, all these ideas and, and thoughts about this. So, yeah, really looking forward to bringing it today. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, without without further ado, um, now this is a spoiler review. I'll get that warning out of the way. I, I assume by now that uh, if you are interested in The Rise of Skywalker, you've probably had a chance to get out and see it. But just in case, this is going to be uh, heavy spoilers, and we are going to jump into the spoilers right off the bat, so we're not going to waste time with uh, spoiler-free. Let's uh, let's get right into our thoughts on the film. So, uh, so Christian, tell us why you love this film so much. I, love is a strong word, but I do highly enjoy this movie, I have to admit. Um, you know, off the Batman, I'm either the... Look, I'm either the worst type of Star Wars fan or the best, and I think that depends on who you speak with. And part of the problem is because I basically love all things Star Wars. I'll drink it from a fire hose. I really don't care. I, I enjoyed Last Jedi, and I enjoyed this movie. And for some reason, the Internet tells me I'm not supposed to do that. That's not allowed. I'm not allowed to like both of these movies. But I like them for different reasons. This this movie absolutely was exactly what people said it was. It was a roller coaster ride. It was a theme park. It was also extremely packed, very packed. You had no time to breathe. You had no time to process from beginning to end. Um, there was so much plot. There was a lot of nostalgia and a lot of fan service jammed into this. And in many ways, it probably was the closest to spirit in the original to the original trilogy, even more so than the prequels were. Now, that's good and bad. I, I mean, that's good because all of us that grew up on Star Wars, that's kind of what we want to see, right? We want to see stuff that's closest in spirit to the original trilogy that goes from one set piece to another and is exciting and is fun and has larger-than-life characters and villains that are larger-than-life and everything. And that's that's what it did. And it had its emotional moments. There were parts of this movie towards the end with Rey and with Kylo. There were parts of the movie with Leia especially that hit me, maybe because we know what happened to poor Carrie Fisher and there were a lot of parallels there with real life. So it definitely had its moments. There was a lot about this movie 
I really liked and I loved experiencing it too with somebody like my wife who's a new Star Wars fan that watched the original trilogy and the prequels and all the animated series and loved all of it new in a new way and to watch it with her and see her smiling at it on the big screen. It did have it did come at a cost though for somebody like me. Now it might not bother some of the people on the pod, but it did to me and the cost was it didn't go in a direction that Last Jedi, I think, was starting to go in. And we talked about that previously, and I think part of that is because Last Jedi was the wrong movie at the wrong time. It just wasn't maybe the proper sequel. It wasn't the proper Episode Eight. Maybe it would have been better to do that in Episode Ten after the Skywalker saga was over. So, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, overall, I think it, hey, it was a fun, exciting theme park typical star wars movie you go into this thing you love it if you're a star wars fan from beginning to end you're having a good time you're watching the lightsaber battles there's spaceships flying all over the place you get some nostalgia boom 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 you have fun it's over and you're like whoa what did i just see so from that aspect yeah i walked out of the theater it was a satisfying closing to the to skywalker saga looking for something different moving forward but i had a lot of fun with this movie that's the bottom line awesome now lupe let's let's uh Let's hear your thoughts on why you love this film so much and why the critics uh, of this film were so so misguided. All right. So the first thing I'll say is that uh, you guys know my status as a casual, die-easy Star Wars fan. I feel the franchise is very overrated um, to be, you know, so lauded and the biggest thing, you know, ever on this planet. I feel it's just massively overrated, and I feel like Episode Nine just proves the point. I mean, to me, it was enjoyable. Without a doubt, but I also enjoy Fast and Furious movies and Michael Bay movies and Marvel movies and every sort of vacuous, vapid entertainment that's out there. I feel Star Wars has the potential to do a lot more. I feel Star Wars has the potential to be better than that, to be greater than that. And I feel like J.J. Abrams just didn't try. I feel like he played it safe. He played to fan theories, to expectations, to nostalgia. In a way that was very off-putting to me as a fan of film and a big fan of myth-telling and storytelling. Um, everything that happened, I was just like, of course. Of course that's going to happen. Of course it's going to happen. Duh, that's going to happen. Just weird things happening the whole time, like Kylo and Rey having this weird romantic relationship. Like, where the hell does that come from apart from Tumblr? Like, Rose and Finn abruptly cutting up whatever relationship they may have been having although i don't really love rose as a character i don't you know think anything of her but shelving her like that it just felt like oh yeah the fans didn't like rose so let's do this of course the end of the film where ray says i'm a skywalker what the hell that's not how it works you that's not that's just not how it works it just makes absolutely no sense having pandering moments and nostalgia moments like having a goonies rip-off thing with a dagger that, you know, has a silhouette of a mountain, having an Indiana Jones type of, you know, chase in there. The whole thing was just so distracting, and I'm disappointed because I keep on hearing about how great this franchise is. It keeps on breaking records, and people keep on talking about, you know, the days of old, and blah, 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 and this, and Star Wars is greatest, and this is what we get, just vapid entertainment. So we're going to go deeper into it. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it as an empty film, and I feel like <clears throat> The Matrix is the greatest franchise out there. So there you have it. All right. Well, so what I heard is that you enjoyed it. So that's uh, that's awesome, Lupe. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, what do you have to say? Uh, well, I have to 
You know, and I don't disagree with a lot of what Lupe said there. Uh, I just think despite that this is ripe for criticism, there's also, I'd add, they, they, there's a lot of missed opportunities in there. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And it, it you know, nostalgia, call it nostalgia, but it reminded me of a kid watching Star Wars again. And I think that's what these movies are about. And that's why they're so popular, because it makes us all feel like kids again. And, you know, it's yeah, it's, it's it might be pandering. It's nostalgia. I can't separate myself from that. I can't take a step back and say uh, it's not that. So, you know, maybe I'm in the spell of this, but but it works for me. And yeah, it has issues. It has a lot of issues. And uh, we'll we'll get into that. And it feels like a lot was cut out. And I and, you know, to Lupe, Lupe's point about JJ having problems with some of the things he did. I don't think all that's his fault. I think he's he's being asked to to make this in that way. And I think we'll get into some, you know, a lot of his things may have been cut out of the movie as well. I think he wanted a lot more in there that would have explained a lot of the issues we have with it. Um, maybe I sound like I'm defending him and defending it and, um, you know, rationalizing it. But I really do think a, a lot was cut out that would have made this uh, uh, even better. But in the end, it was an adventure. It was fun. It did feel like an Indiana Jones movie. And I think that's a good thing. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. I really liked it. I've seen it twice and I want to go see it again. <laughs> and uh, it's something I think is going to bring Star Wars back for kids. Like, I think kids will really like this from, you know, young ages to to teenagers. I watched it with a 13 year old. He really liked it. He's not super into the movies. He's watched them all. But he was cheering and clapping during the movie. And that's I think that's what this is all about. So, Paul, go ahead. Yeah, no, I I um. So so yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree necessarily with what Lupe said. Uh, that being said, I think it's okay when it's Star Wars. And uh, let me qualify that. I I thought this movie was a lot of fun. I've seen it three times now. Um, I loved it the first time I saw it to the point where uh, when they were hugging it out at the end, I was already trying to grab for my phone to tell people how much I love this movie. And uh, and then I went and took I went alone on opening night. Took my family uh, in IMAX uh, opening weekend. They loved it. And then I took my mom again yesterday. Uh, so I've seen it three times now. I, I just – I love this movie. It's, it, yeah, you can criticize it. If you want to pick it apart, you can. You can say it's not cinema. I guess that depends how you define cinema because this this is clearly theme park uh, filmmaking. Uh, fan service, sure. Nostalgia pandering, maybe. Um, but it was fun. And this was a movie that – I loved it so much from beginning to end that – there, there was not one place where you could where you could safely have a washroom break. Like, you know, when I when I took my daughter, I was trying to tell her not to drink too much water because there was no no good place to, to leave this movie. It's just nonstop, fast paced entertainment. And it for me, it, it felt like Star Wars. It brought the Star Wars magic back. Um, I think people look back on Star Wars with rose colored glasses a little bit. It, it's never been much more than this, to be honest. This is kind of what Star Wars was. Now, you could say that the first two movies were, uh, you know, maybe a little, uh, uh, maybe a little more groundbreaking in their time and were better examples of storytelling. And, and you're probably be correct. There was a lot going on in this one. They did jam two movies worth of stuff in this one. Uh, I said before that to me, this felt like watching, listening to a podcast at one and a half times speed. Like it just right out of the gate, it just went flying. But I love the way this came out of the gate, like with uh, Kylo Ren on Mustafar getting into the the Sith lore. Uh, I mean, that's what I love about Star Wars. It's uh, examining that kind of lore. And 
And it's frustrating in the sense they don't give you the detailed explanations of all these things that you want, but that's always been Star Wars. And then you have to go to supplemental materials and, and fan theory and speculation and dig deeper into it, and you make up your own headcanon. And, and that's always kind of been a thing with Star Wars. And then maybe we will get supplemental materials down the road that explain some of these questions that were only vaguely hinted at or, or touched upon. So. So I love this. This was an entertaining ride for me. Uh, was it theme park filmmaking? Yeah. Does it make me want to go go to Galaxy's Edge? Absolutely. I want to get on a plane tomorrow and go to Galaxy's Edge. And did I want that before this movie? So, so. I was lukewarm on it. Um, so this brought my love for Star Wars back. Uh, I think they did an incredible job of sort of fixing where The Last Jedi went off the rails. I think J.J. did the best he could uh, to to bring to basically take his story back his story was thrown away in episode eight and i think he had to grab the pieces and make the best of it pull it back together and tie it all up and not only tie up these this new trilogy but also tie up the nine episode skywalker saga and i think uh i think he did a fantastic job so flawless no highly entertaining yes possibly my favorite movie of the year that doesn't mean the best movie by any means but my personal favorite I think so. I love this movie. So this this was a huge win for me and a huge relief. So that so that's my thought. So so now I guess the question is, um, you know, and the uh, aside from this movie alone, uh, as is its own sort of standalone entity. Now you have to go back and look at its impact on the trilogy. And I guess the question is, um, you know, the obvious one is, and it's been debated, is is what does this film say about the Last Jedi? Uh, does it does it disrespect the last jedi does it throw it away does it make it irrelevant or did it do the best job it could to tie in the elements that were introduced in the last jedi uh does it make the last jedi a better or worse film and by extension you can say the same thing about the force awakens because i think many people would argue that the last jedi threw away a lot of what the force awakens introduced and made the force awakens worse so now in retrospect now that we have the full trilogy what's the impact of this film on the trilogy as a whole and specifically on each of the last two movies and in christian i'll let you have first shot at this one yeah it's interesting i think no matter what i say here i'm neither right nor wrong and i think everybody on this pod will have a different opinion and that's a good thing um disrespect is a really strong word right and we talked about Johnson doing that to J.J. Uh, now we've spoken about is J.J. doing that back to Johnson. And there were some snarky little things that were thrown into here, like Luke Skywalker tossing the, you know, making sure to say, hey, you respect the lightsaber and things like that. And we could say that might have been the one moment that it totally disrespected Last Jedi. Um, but that might have been more fan service, in my opinion. I don't know if that was necessarily J.J. just punching Ryan Johnson in the face. Th- this is this is my feeling. OK, so you guys will feel differently. As I said at the beginning. I think the franchise was growing a little bit with Last Jedi. Whether you guys think it was shrinking and not growing, is a diff- that, that's fine. That's your opinion. We can disagree or agree on that. That's totally fine. But there were certain things that I appreciated about Last Jedi, like tossing the Jedi teachings aside, especially because those Jedi teachings gave us two dark side users that basically killed people, and they perverted the Force for their, in their own way, that anybody could wield the Force. And Rey as a no one maybe to me was actually better than what Rey had actually become, but that's okay. That's the story they went with. The Force being a bit more mystical, uh, a bit more spiritual than scientific, making us question why we're Star Wars fans. Are we only Star Wars fans because of nostalgia, things like that? Those are some of the things that Last Jedi did that I really liked, and I liked the direction that they were going with that stuff, and I appreciated what Last Jedi was trying to do. We have to recognize, though, how badly it divided the fan base. It doesn't matter what we say on this pod. That's a fact. It divided the fan base. That was the most divisive Star Wars movie since the prequels, and the prequels can't even say that. They divided the fan base. Last Jedi went off the reservation with it, and you need those fans. You need fans like Craig and Paul moving forward, and you need their children 
moving forward. It's the only way the franchise is going to continue. May, uh, guys like Lupe and I are probably not enough to keep it moving forward. So you need those people. So Rise of Skywalker probably did what it needed to do. I think it's a strong thing to say that it disrespected it. I don't necessarily think it did. I just think Lucasfilm did what they felt they needed to do to try to bring some of those fans back into the fold. That's what they needed to do. Now, it actually, interestingly enough, did use some plot points from The Last Jedi. The uh, the force talking with one another, the ability for them to pull things from that connection that Kyle, that Kylo and Ray had and bring it into the quote-unquote real world or bring it into the other person's world. Um, some of the things that Luke talked about, there were the, the connection that Leia had with her son. There were a bunch of plot points that they actually did take from Last Jedi and use in Rise of Skywalker, which was interesting. So they actually did not retcon Lies, Rise of uh, uh, Last Jedi in any way. They just did a quote-unquote course correction. I don't know if it makes the movie better or for worse. For me, it actually does make the movie slightly worse, and that's disappointing because of how high I hold Last Jedi and high regard I hold it in. My feeling is that probably guys like Craig and Paul actually makes that movie better for you. So maybe in a sense, Rise of Skywalker did what it was supposed to do because it made people like me kind of go, okay, but it made people like you go, okay. <laughs> you know, So maybe that's what it was supposed to do, and that movie goes from being trash in some people's minds and a masterpiece in others to where it needs to be. I don't know if that's the right answer, guys, but that's how I feel. Yeah, no, I, I don't think you're. Uh, I don't think you're too far off there, Christian. I definitely, um, you know, I, I think you make some strong points there, and I'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Lupe, before we do that, let's let's get your thoughts. How, how did you think? What do you think this? The impact of this film is on the trilogy as a whole, and, and the last two films specifically. Okay, um, I think that it, as I said in in my intro. I think it proves how overrated Star Wars is as a franchise. Um, I will never understand why it has the clout, the popularity that it does. But maybe in some ways I do. I just have much higher expectations for something of this magnitude and potential. But that's a personal thing. It doesn't matter. I think that it didn't... I don't think J.J. Abrams went about really disrespecting Ryan Johnson. Um... I think that he's just the type of filmmaker that appeals to lowest common denominator, so to speak, in terms of he just does stuff for mass appeal. And so whatever way he's going to find to do that, he's going to do that. It's not an intentional diss to anyone. He has an end goal in mind. And as Christian alluded to, it's about fans. It's about, you know, getting those hardcore Star Wars fans about, you know, making sure that they, their children, their families are in the Star Wars fold, continually pumping money into the franchise and keeping, you know, the machine going. I personally do not care. I do not watch movies or watch stories or listen to stories for how much money they make, for them bringing in fans and them bringing in children's fans and having the idea that a franchise needs this to bring other people. It's a personal thing to me. If a billion people hate something and I like something, I'm perfectly fine. So that's not a consideration at all for me. So I will always disagree with any artist or filmmaker or storyteller that takes that approach to storytelling, being a populist. Um, I think that the entire trilogy is a complete shamble, shambolic, shamrocket sham disaster i think that disney did a really bad job in terms of planning in terms of execution they really should have had a very solid story and scripts for all the films that every single director needed to follow or 
they needed to stand behind the directors if they wanted this whole, you know, sort of having different directors and allowing them to go in these adventurous, creative places. I think that Rise of the Skywalker makes The Last Jedi even better because it shows how much better Star Wars can be rather than what J.J. Abrams did by creating this populist piece of garbage. All right. Greg, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think they um, I, I think they took some good elements from The Last Jedi and built on it. And it um, like Christian said, it did it did make The Last Jedi better for me. Uh, it took, you know, it, building on the, the new force powers that were in there, which I which I liked in The Last Jedi, building on the connection between Ray and Kylo. Um, and I and I don't think it's retcon. I don't think it's disrespect. That's my personal opinion. But Luke catching the saber, you know, Everyone's saying that's a lot of people are saying that's disrespectful. It's a shot, possibly. But if you look at it from another perspective, that's the Luke that Ryan Johnson gave us at the end of The Last Jedi. That's his arc. He came around and knew in that movie. It's not this movie that the end of that movie, he knew he had made a mistake by by giving up on everybody. He turned around. That's and people try to defend that movie by saying that Luke came around. Look, he's a hero in the end. Well, yes, now he's the hero and this is what the hero would do. It's not out of character from the last Jedi for him to actually catch the saber, even to say what he said when he said, you know, the weapon of the Jedi deserves more respect. That's, that's the Luke that ended the last Jedi. So I don't see that as a, as a disrespectful thing. You know, it, it, I don't, it, but I agree. I can see how it can be seen like that by other people because <laughs> just taking it at face value, it looks like, wow, <laughs> now he's just basically, you know, catching what he threw away. And, you know, saying the opposite. So I, I see both sides of it. Like most things, I usually do see both sides of it. Um, so, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it made it made it better for me. And uh, I think, Paul, you'll probably agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I, I tend to agree with you, Craig. Uh, I think that it it did make The Last Jedi better. I think it salvaged the aspects we liked about The Last Jedi. Uh, I think you and I were both on the same page that we actually kind of liked the Force connection that um, – Kylo and Ray had, and and even the uh, the new Force powers, like the transferring the physical yeah. uh, transferring of objects through this this dyad and the Force, or this Force connection they had. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they elaborated good. on that. They tied it in. I thought I thought that was great. Uh, initially, when I saw this film, I thought, wow, that was disrespectful. I remember my first thought thinking, this is JJ disrespecting Ryan Johnson, the same way JJ disrespected George Lucas at the beginning of the Force Awakens when he said this will begin to set things right. And then after the fact, I thought about it a little bit more, and I thought, you know what? No, that that was character arc. So you we really could take that either way. It didn't have to be disrespectful. And then when I watched this film the second and third time, I don't see it as disrespectful at all. And uh, I think this movie does make it. It makes both the Last Jedi and the Force Awakens better. Uh, it makes the Last Jedi better because to me that was an unwatchable steaming pile of crap. <laughs> now I actually would be willing to watch that movie again. It, it, it actually makes the last Jedi watchable for me. And that's, and that's be, a big deal. You know, be careful. Don't hurt yourself. I don't want you, you know, hold back. <laughs> uh, don't be, don't hold anything in. Yeah. Just be no, I, I couldn't stand the last Jedi. It, it broke star Wars for me and, and I've done my best to stay positive. And, uh, and this, this actually made that movie watchable. Um, and, and then on furthermore, it picked up so many of the threads from the force awakens that I was interested in and, and finished those off. To me, this was 
this was fantastic. It made both movies better. It, it did the absolute best it could to pick up the pieces after The Last Jedi, salvage what was good about The Last Jedi, and tie it all back to the beginning uh, of what they what I liked about The Force Awakens. So yes, The Force Awakens was repetitive. Uh, it was a it was it was a, a sort of a nostalgic soft reboot of. Uh, of a new hope but what i loved about that movie was what it set up what it set up got thrown away by the last jedi and yet this one managed to pick up as much of it could as much as it could of those pieces incorporating what was introduced in the last jedi and tie it all up as best it could so uh so i thought it made both movies better so i i um again that's a big part of why i love this film so i think it, it it's not the perfect trilogy i think lupe's 100 percent right they should have had a plan my personal gut feeling is that ryan johnson strayed from the original plan and then because that wasn't well received, they had to try and course correct back to the original plan after The Last Jedi. And I think they did the best they could given the situation they were put in. But it's it's a it's a sloppy trilogy, but they tied it up as best they could. And this this was definitely my favorite movie of the new trilogy by a long shot. Um, I think this was this was you know a, a triumph given the situation they were put in. So speaking of, of trilogies now um, and, and how this fits into the trilogy, one of the criticisms of this, and, and Lupe, you touched on it, is that it, it lacks creativity, originality. Uh, in the same way that The Force Awakens recycles A New Hope, there's the criticism that this one recycles a lot of the ideas from Return of the Jedi. And and I even noticed some parallels to The Empire Strikes Back. Now, I know TLJ uh, has been uh, compared to The Empire Strikes Back, but I also saw elements of this one that – sort of tread on some of that same territory from Empire Strikes Back. So I guess what I want to ask you guys is what are your what are your thoughts in terms of are there parallels to Return of the Jedi and maybe Empire Strikes Back? Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And, um, you know, let, let's tie that into our next question, which is about nostalgia pandering and fan service, uh, or is this J.J. taking his story back? So let's tie those questions together and say – how how does this parallel to those two films, and is that a good thing, bad thing? Is it nostalgia pandering? Uh, what do you think, Christian? Why don't you start us off? All right. Well, if we're gonna we'll answer both. It might be a little bit of a longer answer, so I apologize. But uh, I'm glad you asked the first one because I actually really didn't even think about it until you sent the notes. And like I said at the beginning, my feeling is that Rise of Skywalker is probably the closest in spirit and look and everything like that to the original trilogy. And when I thought about it, when you asked the question, the biggest thing that stuck out to me was that redemption theme, which is probably the largest theme from Empire Strikes Back that gets taken into Return of the Jedi and then all the way through to Rise of Skywalker. Now, Force Awakens, TLJ, Rise of Skywalker missed some little character moments. You and I actually spoke about some of those little character moments. Uh, like in Force Awakens, actually, they did. I, I, I should correct myself. Uh, little moments like Rey when she's by herself and she's eating her food and she has the blaster helmet on. And there's little moments there that we kind of miss as the sequel trilogy continues. That wonderful moment between Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi where you can feel the pull that Vader has towards the towards the light. And he, he puts his head down. And he says, you know, Obi-Wan once thought as you do. And then he turns to his son and said, but you don't know the power of the dark side. There's little moments like that that I think we sometimes miss, in, especially in Rise of Skywalker, because it's so fast-paced. However, that redemption is the biggest thing. No matter how dark you go, no matter how much faith you lose, no matter how, no matter how much you feel that all hope is lost, the, the things you love, the values you love, the people that you love can always bring you back. 
And no matter how terrible you are, there is still good in you. There is a way for you to hopefully come back, and it's the people that you love that are going to do it. Now, some people are just evil, like the Emperor. Thank you, Palpatine. And there might be not, it might be not be anything you could do about it, but there is a potential there somewhere. And the other part of it that I liked was that in the original trilogy, Luke was the new hope. And in this trilogy, Rey was the new hope. And that's something that I think had started from the very beginning with Force Awakens, and it continued all the way to Rise of Skywalker. We saw it at the end of Last Jedi when she was holding the rocks up and everybody was in awe on her. And then at the end of this, when she was hugging her friends and at the very end uh, when she took the name Skywalker, whether that was a, a bad story choice or not, it doesn't matter. She is the hope for the future. And you you had that from the original trilogy all the way through to this one as well. So there's always that hope, and I really liked that. To answer your second part of your question, so redemption is probably the answer to the first. The second question, is this nostalgia and fan service? Dude, it's both. I, I don't know how we – I think we're kidding ourselves if we say that J.J. didn't force some sort of fan service and nostalgia into this movie. Into this movie. Um, right or wrong, they felt like they had to. Now, I like what Lupe said a couple of minutes ago. You know, J.J. wasn't supposed to be the director of this entire trilogy. And they were. They had – I think it was J.J., Ryan Johnson, and was it Trevorrow? was supposed to be the director for the third Lucasfilm dude if you guys had a potential story either work with JJ in the first movie and have an arc and do it like the MCU does or you empower your directors to do their thing and you stand behind them so for me that reinforces the thought that Lucasfilm slash Disney did not have a full arc from beginning to end they changed in Last Jedi then they changed again in Rise of Skywalker for better or for worse so is this J.J. quote-unquote taking the story back? Not necessarily because he wasn't even supposed to have it. I think Trevor was supposed to have it, right? So he wasn't necessarily supposed to be the guy that directed the third one. I, I do believe that there is nostalgia and fandering, pandering and fan service forced into here because I think they felt that they had to. I'll go back to what I said at the beginning. I don't hate it though. That I'm not angry at them for doing it. I just feel that for better or for worse, they felt the need to do it. Because they felt they were going to lose all Star Wars fans, the hardcore ones, if they did it. So hopefully that answers the two questions. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, Craig, what do you have to add to what Christian said? Oh, yeah, there's definite parallels to uh, Return of the Jedi more than anything, uh, especially with some of the things that Christian said. Um, now, there, like there's a lot of like, – we didn't even talked about Finn and, and Poe yet. And, and Finn wanting to tell Ray something the entire time is, is – it's sort of like Luke and Princess Leia, how they needed to have a conversation about being brother and sister, but it wasn't happening and whether she had the force. And that was kind of hinted at there. And Finn is hinted at having the force in this one as well. Or it, to me, it's plain as day that you can see that he does. He's force sensitive. Um, and uh, and as far as fan service goes, I mean, it is what it is. Like is fan service. I guess it's basically do you think fan service is a bad thing or not? Like putting things in there that are that are that are fun and callbacks to to the past, you know, a lot of people like that, and uh, I don't mind it. it. As long as it's not completely just shoehorned in there and forced in there, which some people will think it it, it is, I don't think it's that horrible. Like for instance, when when Chewie gets the medal at the end, everybody's like, oh, he's finally getting his medal. That's great. It's fan service. But at the same time, it plays into the movie. People forget that that's Han's medal that he's getting. So. Maz is giving him Han's medal. It's a memory of his best friend. It's part of the movie. If you take, a, if you think about that, it's still, I'm sure I'm defending it, but it's, it makes sense that he would be given this medal. It was given to Princess Leia after Han died. 
And now it's going to him. It makes sense that it gets passed to him. Why wouldn't it? Right. It's nice that at the same time, that's fan service and people can say, yes, Chu finally gets his medal. You know, we get that little sentimental moment for people that know and pay attention to that kind of thing. And people that don't, you know, they might see, oh, OK, well, that was Hans. They might not even know that either if they haven't followed along. But uh, yeah, I guess it's basically is like, do you think fan service is bad or not? And, and I don't necessarily think it's, it's bad in itself. It's just bad when it's done poorly. Um, that's yeah yeah so so lupe tell us how you're convinced about the merits of uh fan service and nostalgia pandering um yeah i think that fan service as as craig brightly said it's about how you do it where you do it if it's clumsily and brutally you know forced in um and i think that jj abrams has always been very brutish always been very barbaric and clumsy about shoving fan service into his films like this isn't anything new if you guys remember our preview podcast we will talk about our theories and what we're talking about going in i said that's who jj abrams is you know he's a guy that you know does this this is nothing new so um i do think that it was a lot of fan service that was not executed well because it was just everything was just so expected Every single thing. Like, I just kept saying, of course, of course, of course, they're going to do that because, of course, every single sort of outcry and every single complaint that fans had about The Last Jedi, it was like he took a book out and said, all right, let's address this check mark, check mark, check mark. It reminds me of how terrible Justice League uh, was was rejigged um, to appeal to people who were crying about Batman v Superman. That's not storytelling. That's making fast food at a you know restaurant. I want a number seven and a number six with, and that's to me that's not how you know storytelling works. At least not for me. Like you know, but hey, as I always say, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, and movies like this are the reason why I'm not going to be. The Matrix is the greatest franchise out there. All right, so. Yeah, there you go. All right, so so you got to you got to end on a positive note by uh, by bringing in the Matrix. So that that yeah. uh, all right. So you know what I um you know I I don't totally disagree with you. Uh, there were some shoehorned fan service moments in here, and and like you say, he he has done it clumsily before. Uh, that said, um, you know I I didn't mind it in this case. I thought there was I I agreed with a lot of the choices they made. Uh, take, taking a step back to to looking at the parallels. Um, so we'll go back to that piece of it. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, there's the obvious parallels with the, with return of the Jedi, right? Where we, we see, um, uh, Kylo die in, uh, you know, in his redemptive moment, similar to, to Darth Vader. Uh, you see the emperor basically showing Ray, her, her friends dying the same way that the emperor showed Luke, his friends dying. Uh, and then I even noticed on my third watch, uh, there was a parallel to The Empire Strikes Back where earlier on in the movie, about halfway through, um, they're on Kylo's ship after they've had their um, – well, actually, she's – I'm trying to think now exactly where, where they were in the scene. But basically, she's uh, – her friends have escaped from the ship, and she's got to jump over to the Millennium Falcon, and uh, mm-hmm. he's trying to get her to join him. And it, it reminded me very much of the, the ending scene of Empire Strikes Back where, where Vader's trying to convince Luke, and Luke says no and finally just – Right. You know, drops. Uh, that that scene was very reminiscent of Empire Strikes Back to me, and it uh, and it actually made me think. Well, hold on, wasn't the Last Jedi supposed to be our Empire Strikes Back? So so in that sense, it 
it almost felt like they sort of overwrote the significance of the, of the last mm. Jedi uh, and made this one both the Empire Strikes Back and the Return of the Jedi crammed into one. Yeah. They had Ray uh, fighting herself as well, the same as yeah, Luke in the cave. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it will be cool for you to talk more about, you know, the reveal of uh, Leia. I am your father. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So it's uh, there was a lot of a lot of um, a lot of parallels uh, to those two movies, and, and you know then that sort of leads into: Do you consider that nostalgia pandering? Uh, do you consider that fan service? Uh, or do you sort of buy the idea that that's uh, the poetry and the, the the symmetry and the repetition that they that people use to defend that that type of storytelling? I, it worked for me in this film. Whatever it is, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not nostalgia pandering. It's not fan service. There are definitely moments like they went out of their way to show Ray training because I'm sure they've heard for four years how ticked off people were that she's so powerful without any training. So they made a point of that. Um, they explained, you know, a, a little bit of. Um, uh, of uh, I guess Leia's force power as well, uh, and that Luke trained her post um, post the uh, Return of the Jedi. So you, you know they did to me. Um, yes, there was some pandering and fan service, but it was actually necessary. And, and was this JJ taking the story back? I, I absolutely think it was. I mean, he was trying to pick up the threads that he he started in the in the first movie. So whether or not he was planned to direct the third one originally, whether or not they had a plan for two and three. This was J.J. coming in in three and saying, OK, we didn't really get left much with eight, and I don't know where to go with this. So I'm going to go back to what I set up in seven, pick up those pieces and make the best of it. And specifically with Ray and her lineage, I mean, there were hints both in the movie with her lightsaber fighting style. And, and Craig, you brought it to my attention in the audiobook. Yeah. There was a little more um, – the, the novelization, there was a little more hinting at the fact that she um, uh, may have been, been a Palpatine potentially. Um, so I think he picked up that thread, and um, you know, and there's a few others. He picked up a lot of the a lot of the little pieces he set up. Obviously, he had to address, and we'll get to it more. But he had to address Snoke that was cut in half and tossed aside. Um, you know, we'll get to whether or not they did that effectively or not. But I, I think this was him taking his story back. I think his vision uh, for the films probably aligned with a lot of the uh, the fan complaints. So is this just fan service, or is this a director coming in and saying, "Yeah, I I set up these stories. This was the story I wanted to tell." It got tossed in the garbage. I'm going to go back and grab the pieces that I can and, and try to fix this. And that's what a lot of fans, Craig, you and I included, that's what we wanted because we wanted to see that story that was set up in 7. Despite our frustrations with the pandering uh, and the repetition in 7, we liked what was set up going forward. That's what got thrown away in 8, and that's what got picked up and salvaged in 9, and that's a big part of why I like 9 so much. I think it's uh, – I, I like what Lupe, by the way, just, just asked. You, you guys were talking about parallels between the original trilogy, this one, fan service. Is the – and I just want to know your opinion. The Ray, I am your grandfather. Is that too much of like a dude, you know, Luke, I am your father? Is that too much of a ripoff? Is that a little too much? You, you know, I, I didn't personally um, – I didn't find it that. And, and really until Lupe brought that up, it, it didn't really even cross my mind. Um I don't know, Craig. You're you're sort of you align more with me. What did you? Uh, what what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, some of that stuff I didn't. The execution could have been better on on that sort of thing. Like I like the idea of her being a Palpatine. No problem with that. I think they probably could have done that the reveal a little better. Well, well, the reveal was Kylo. Was Kylo Ren told her though? Kylo's Kylo was the one that said, "I know your whole story," and he and he told her you're a Palpatine. So yeah. the emperor the emperor saying, "I'm your." 
you know, I'm your grandfather. It wasn't the first right. time she heard that. Yeah, right. like that's the whole thing. It wasn't a memorable moment. It wasn't a big – if it was memorable, if it was good, we'd all be like, oh, yeah, remember when it happened? Like I'm not even sure when she found out, right? Yeah, no, it's it, it, wasn't the, it, was, it wasn't until the third watch that I recognized that it was Kylo that told her right right on her ship. He's, you know, after yeah, God, sort of, just, to, just to interject, like I actually do like the fact that she's a Palpatine. Yeah. I actually do like it. I think it's a very potent storytelling element. The only reason why I don't like it is that it was not set up well. It was not hinted well in any of the films. That's why I've always, I've said that they needed to have had a very solid plan from yeah. the beginning. It's very if subtle. It's had, very well, look, subtle. Okay, it was, it was had, set up. It was just it was too subtle. This, no, we would have had hints of this in The Force Awakens. We and did. We did that, not. No, we didn't. We really did not. Because the way that Ryan Johnson went with her being like a nobody fit in with the ambiguity that we had in The Force Awakens. In The Force Awakens, everybody just complained that she's just too strong for no for no reason. It wasn't hinted that it could have been hinted that, oh, you know what? Maybe she has a special bloodline. Your power must come from somewhere you must be. You know, there was nothing because I mean, this is not a session to bash on The Force Awakens, but talking about the, the trilogy in general, J.J. Abrams didn't really know what he was doing with the first. Even he himself said that he just kind of like left it kind of open for people to just, you know, take it and run with it. Try to I, make I, I, I disagree with that, though, because I, I think that's more an editing choice because, one, I mean, people did notice that she used Palpatine's lightsaber style. I think there might have even been some musical choices that hinted at Palpatine in the first yeah. one. And Craig, you said that in the novelization, there was a lot more hinting of, of the voicing in her head, right? And maybe you can expand on that a little bit. But I, I think that there, that may have just been edited out of the theatrical cut, but, but it was certainly hinted at. And I think we spent years, two years speculating about her lineage. So clearly it was hinted at that she had some special lineage. It just and wasn't even in, explicitly spelled out. Go ahead, Craig. Even in The Last Jedi, how she went straight for the darkness. Like Luke saw that right away and the great power she's ne- he's never he's only seen in one before. It was hinted there, just left open-ended. And it, and, it, and there was, in the novelization, there was a voice in her head saying to kill Kylo. It was evil. It was an evil voice. And you kind of assumed at the time it was it was Snoke. But we could see, uh, you know, that could be, it's still open for interpretation. Fair enough. So so with that, um, let's let's go back now and look at the questions we identified in the, the preview episode as being... The, the biggest outstanding questions going into this film. Uh, we, you know, for anyone that hasn't listened yet, by, by all means, go back, listen to our preview episode. We had a speculative preview episode. Um, you can find it on the Film Exiles on YouTube. Uh, you can find it on our audio channels, um, which, you know, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others. Uh, we broke down about somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 questions or so where we um, we each sort of speculated on what we thought would happen and what we wanted to see happen. And now we're going to go back and look at those questions and see how what we got in the films uh, contrasted to what we were hoping for and what we expected. So, uh, Christian, we'll, we'll start you off. We'll start off with you on this one. Let's go with our first question. Uh, Luke's role. We asked, uh, you know, in the original going in, we said, is he still alive? Is he going to be a force ghost? Uh, do you see anything unexpected there? So Christian, start us off. Tell us what you what you thought, what you wanted, a uh, brief summary, and then tell us how that how how satisfied you were with what we got in the film. 
I, I actually, when I was re-listening to these, I thought I'd be whiffing out all over the place, and I struck out. And uh, I, maybe I have the Jedi gift of foresight. I had a couple right, mm-hmm. so I'm very happy. Very happy. I didn't have many, but I did have a couple right. Um, Luke's role. I felt – I said that I thought he was uh, still going to be coming back as a Force ghost, and uh, he did. I felt that uh, he was going to be guiding Ray a little bit, and he did. So that's cool. Um, I didn't think he'd come back as snarky as he did. He came back a little snarky. But going back to one of the things that Craig said, I still believe that this was part of Luke's character arc. Um, but it is within his quote-unquote character. He was taken in a direction in Last Jedi, and we missed the previous 30 years. What caused him to become – a little bit more bitter as time went on. And then the final straw, obviously the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back is his nephew falling to the dark side. He became much more of a broken man and seeing Ray and what she could actually do started to bring his faith back, even though it initially frightened him and he had to reach out to Yoda through the force. So I got to tell you, I actually liked this coming full circle for him, him coming back as a force ghost it strengthened his connection to Ray. It strengthened how much he saw in her, how much he felt that she was the new hope moving forward and saying to her, don't make the mistakes I did. Don't pull back. Don't ignore your family. Don't ignore the people in this universe that need you. You can be the new hope. And he came back for her because in helping her, he would also help the rest of the galaxy. So I liked it. I was satisfied with it. And I liked the fact that he didn't have a monster role in the movie. I think it would have. He and Darth Vader, by the way, have a tendency to suck all the oxygen out of a room when they're there. So I like the fact that he had a much smaller role in this. So that's me. OK. Yeah, Christian, I noticed that as well. You were uh, you're right on the money with your uh, your expectation for this. Woo-hoo! Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so Christian, one and oh to start. Uh, Lupe, um, what uh, what were your thoughts on uh on Luke's role in the film is this was this another of course moment for you um no no actually I think it was it was well done I mean um my expectation going in was that he would appear as a force goes and he'd be you know that spirit guide quite literally and I think it was it was done well I think his his advice and his his knowledge was you know well timed and the dialogue was well delivered. The snarkiness from him, I actually love. It continues his snarkiness from, you know, the last year. I really have liked the arc that he's gone through in this trilogy. I think it was it was very very well done. Um, I think the only problem is that in the Force Awakens, people expected him to come and save the day at the last battle. I think that that would have been really good. Um, to introduce him that way, I think that that would have, um, I think that would have made for very interesting, you know, storytelling. Um, but I think it was well done. And, uh, yeah, that was basically the theory I had that he was just going to be a, a force ghost and a helper. And I'm glad that he didn't do anything more than that. I'm glad that he didn't fight Palpatine on his own, um, as a force ghost. Um, so yeah. I think it was good. Fair enough. Now, Craig, you uh, you had the most uh, out there um, theory for Luke. You you dug <laughs> yeah. you dug deep into the canon and uh, and uh, or the old canon and and made a case as to why he could come back as a, a physical manifestation from the netherworld with all the knowledge he gained there. So uh, how did this uh, how did this do it for you? Yeah, I, I went bold and I should have I should have known they weren't gonna go bold like this. So <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised they didn't do it. Um, but and I'm not overly disappointed either. I mean, 
it was good. I would have liked to see, um, I think we'll get into this. I would have liked to see, uh, actually see the force ghost at the end with Ray when she's fighting Palpatine. Um, even if they couldn't show, have Luke come back. I, I, what I wanted was something new with the force ghost, which, you know, we're leaning to more and more power of the force ghost. I would have liked that to continue. So here's another thing I liked about the last Jedi that the force, they were showing the force ghost progress into being more powerful. And I don't mind that. I thought they should have gone further with it and continued, or I thought maybe they would continue, but no, it really didn't. So, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not disappointed, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to take a big swing in him. And this time I missed. (laughs) Well, you know, I, I, um, it it was about what we expected, right? I I thought it was going to be a force ghost. Uh, I didn't think it was going to have a huge role, but, and and you, and you, you expected, and we even talked about the preview and, and and we'd all stayed leak free when we did the preview and someone brought up the fan theory about all the ghosts coming and giving Ray the the pat on the back and the power boost she needed at the end. And uh, I guess that was one of the supposed leaks. I still haven't actually read the leaks. I just, from what I understand, the leaks were confirmed to be mostly accurate, um, and then that was one of them. But you know, it was about what I expected. I mean, what else could he do? Now, I didn't expect her to follow his arc and to give up and go to uh, go to Act Two and throw right. away the lightsaber, and that caught me by surprise. That whole piece, and and I liked it. I thought it was well done. And as I said initially, I thought it was snark, uh, and, and maybe it was a little snarky, but that's kind of in keeping with the snark they introduced in the Last Jedi. Uh, and, and I don't typically love snark. Uh, but given that they established the snarkiness in The Last Jedi, and this was snark undoing the snark of The Last Jedi, I, I kind of liked it. So I thought they did a good job with Luke. Uh, I think after you kill him off in 8, um, you didn't need to bring him back and try and reestablish him as as a lead character in this one. I think that would have caused real damage. Um, you know, They did set up Rey as, as this really being her as being the hero, and I think they did an effective job selling her as the hero with a little bit of a little bit of support from Luke and Leia, but, uh, but this was her movie. And I think Luke's role was appropriate. And I think it, it's, it's sort of, well, I mean, to me, this, this threw a bone to the Luke fans that wanted to see his character restored. And, and, and you guys made a good point that his character really was restored by the end of the last Jedi. I think a lot of people just didn't see it. Uh, this reinforced that and without going overboard on the pandering, I thought so. And him bringing back the, sorry to interrupt, but him lifting, how'd you guys like the, him lifting the, x-wing out which he failed at in the empire strikes back and now he comes around and he's able to do it and he's got the big fan service smile on his face but i thought yeah. it was great i loved it yeah he did it effortlessly, <laughs> effortlessly as a force ghost yeah. i loved it yeah it's it's nice too because again that's one of those little moments that shows you that last jedi is still part of canon because look at the stuff that that yoda could do as a quote-unquote force ghost right that's what i was saying so, yeah 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 it's it's i think that's that was a nice little moment for luke it's it was good to see a little good Bye to one of our favorite characters because you know hey the Skywalker saga is done and he is the a he's the number one Skywalker that we think of even more than Anakin. Yeah, no, they didn't they didn't explain how they got the rust and the seaweed out of the plane and got it back in a flying condition. But uh, <laughs> I guess that's one of those Star, star They don't Wars make them like they you, used to. They don't yeah, make them like they used to. Those I, things I, I are. I guess not. Hey, that's that's it, right? <laughs> you guys just made me choke on my coffee. Thank you. <laughs> he, he force polished it in uh, in about thirty seconds. It, uh, it was force good to go. <laughs> I'm dying over here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so we all seem to be okay with Luke's role in the film. Now, Leia's role. Um, you know, we talked about briefly how, you know, they were put in a difficult situation given Carrie Fisher's passing prior to filming. We knew going in they were going to recycle footage. We were told they weren't going to do CGI. They had a very brief moment of CGI when they went back and did a long, young Leia force training scene. But overall, um, what did you guys think about this? How did it compare to your expectations? 
And uh, Christian, if you're done, uh, if you're done choking over there, we'll let you start us off. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that brief scene. I'll say it. I'll let you guys expand on that in, in, later on. But because uh, I just think that scene was great. I loved that quick 30 second moment between a young Luke and, and Leia and showing we always kind of knew that she had powers. She could feel Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi that he was still alive. Um, and, and I thought that was a nice little nod to she did it. She had it, but she walked away from it because her diplomacy, her role in the Senate, whatever it may be, building the new republic was more important to her. Um, this was one that when we went back and talked about it, this was might have been the only one where I actually hit a home run as opposed to like a base hit. I said that she was going to have a short motherlike role to Ray. She was going to be a teacher and a guide. Boom, knock it out of the park. That's the only one I think that I actually got 100% right. Uh, she did. She had a small role. She was a guide. She was even a force <clears throat> teacher to Ray, which I thought was pretty pretty interesting. But her role, as small as it was, in my opinion, this is just me, I felt that it was very powerful. Um, I thought that they respected who Carrie Fisher was. I love Carrie Fisher as a person, um, and I really liked – her final moments here by not actually showing her face when she passed away. I thought that was a very tasteful choice. I thought it was tastefully done that she did it while using a force power that Luke much more powerful in the force than she was. So he was able to do more before he died, but it did kill her reaching out to her son. And maybe she left a little bit of herself on her son, which I thought was really, uh, really powerful as well. And it was one of the two or three moments in that movie that actually made me tear up a little bit, um, maybe because we know that Carrie Fisher is gone. And as a person that suffers from mental health issues myself, knowing what she did for the mental health community, I've always, always really respected uh, Carrie Fisher. So I really liked what they did with Leia. She did not steal the show, quote unquote, but they respected her by not CGIing her all over the place and just using previous footage. And every time she was on the screen, I, I really, it lit up for me. So uh, yeah, that's, that's how I felt. Those are my feelings on what, okay. Lupe. Yeah. Um, going in our preview podcast, I did say that they were dealt a very difficult hand by, you know, fate and destiny and God. And um, although you, it would be more appropriate to say we all were. The film is small in comparison to the loss of life. And I think that they did the best they could. I have zero criticism about what they did. As a matter of fact, I feel like her reaching out to Kylo, I thought that was very beautiful. I've always been pro Leia having Force powers. Um, people had a problem with her using Force powers in The Last Jedi. And... Hopefully, people who didn't like like the last gen criticize every single thing about it. Seeing her using force powers here, they can go back and they can begin to see how it makes sense. I mean, she's the sister of one of the of the most powerful, you know, basically Jedi ever. Um, so there's no way it's not flowing through her veins. She just chose not to hone those skills and you know reach the level that Luke reached. It's like, I don't know if someone in your family is like a pastor or something like that. You're like, look, I don't really want to go into this whole spiritual life because being a Jedi, I'm sure it looks fun on TV. But if you really think about it, it can't be a very fun life. You know, it's a lot of discipline, a lot of, you know, stuff that they go through. So she just chose another path and um, she still is very powerful in the force to an extent. And she used what she could of the force to reach out to her son. And I really think that those very uh, beautiful, touching um, moment there with her, her 
reaching out to him. And I think it was, I think that that part was beautifully done. There was some uh, execution in terms of how Kylo turned and that stuff. It didn't really land with me, didn't ring very true. But her parts, I think that they did the best job possible. It couldn't couldn't have been better. And I got to give J.J. Uh, Abrams and Chris Terrio, the whole crew, um, a round of applause and a pat on the back for that. Okay. Uh, Craig, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I agree with both their set Lupe and Christian sentiments. They did a great job. They handled it well. It was emotional. It was impactful. Um, it's always really bothered me that people just assume that she was never trained or isn't powerful because we didn't see it. Um, so I like that they showed the training. I, j- I just thought it was a cool moment because I'm like, yes. And that's that's what I said. I said they will hopefully show her training because of this, just this whole concept that that she was never trained. I've always felt she was really powerful. And with training, she could be possibly the one of the most powerful or on level with Luke. Why not? And it makes sense that she was trained. Um, I loved how she so she probably helped with that projection of, of Han Solo to, to Kylo. Like that was all part of what she was doing. You know, people have questions like mm. question how Han was even there, you know, and then it's in it's in Kylo's memories in his mind. But I see it as Leia actually helping to form those that vision in Kylo's mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of how powerful she was. And that yes, and you notice cool. how, you know, and you notice how she didn't disappear until Kylo died in the end. So mm-hmm. she was within him that whole time guiding mm-hmm. him through that and then la- and i thought it was beautiful and i i cried <laughs> i cried i, 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 I cried I when that, go ahead sorry sorry i'll, I'll no let you but continue continuing that strain that you're that strand you're pulling on very very good uh theory i also think that what she did was one thing that people have complained about in batman v superman which i feel is a very invalid criticism but it's just an easy way for them to pick on something that they don't like and it got viral and caught fire it's a martha moment and there's this thing of the relationship between mothers and their children there is something very tender it's a different relationship between a mother and her children and the father and his children and i think that her reaching out to him was able to break through all that hate and darkness and evil in him and it kind of opened the door and uh hand was able he was then he was able to see hand he must have been blocking hand out of his emotions out of his visions you know but with leia opening that door just a little bit hand was able to like walk in and connect with him and maybe he even wanted to connect with with Han, and then they were able to have that moment. So yeah. I think that that's such a wonderful theory and, and strand that you pulled on, and I'd like to think about it more. So you were yeah. talking about you crying. So let's. Go well, back. and I think, and just, and and it makes me think of that even more. Like, what a wonderful arc now for Han that he failed at trying to bring him back when Leia Leia knew it in she knew that he was the one to bring her back. Mm-hmm. Remember in Force Awakens, he said Han said, if Luke couldn't bring him back, how how this Master Jedi couldn't do it? How am I supposed to do it? And she said, yes, but you're his father. And he went and he failed. Now he succeeded. It's beautiful. I, it's amazing. And and that was very emotional. That was a huge surprise for me to see that. I had no idea. I hadn't read any leaks. I didn't know that was coming. Huge surprise. I loved it. And then it all it, it, it started hitting me then, Leia passing away. And then when Chewie, they told Chewie, I could feel it build up when they told Finn and Poe. I was like, oh, I'm starting to feel it. And then when they told Chewie and – Chewie hit the ground. I it got me in the same way because like Chewie's just taking all this pain. He's Dude. seeing his friends die, and then Chewie's like freaking this, out. Was painful. right. 
This is such a strong, he's so strong. And it just finally, it all just, it all just came down because like you said, it's tender. He has a tender relationship with Leia. It's different than relationship that you have with these warriors. Luke and Han are warriors. You expect warriors to die on the battlefield. That's part of being a warrior. Leia is a different type of warrior. She, there's a different connection there. And that it just all piled on him, and he just, you know, and I felt the same way he did. It was uh, that was touching. It was so, yeah. They, I think they handled it really well. I agree with you guys. It even, it, it was beyond my expectations how well they handled it. Yeah, oh. no, I, I, yeah, I agree. I, um, I loved how they handled it. I think you guys covered it all. I would sort of add to that. Uh, um, you know, Christian, you were dead on with the mentoring role, but then I loved the the fact that they went back and showed her training in the force. And I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't really catch this in the, in the in the, until the third um, viewing, that the reason she gave up uh, being a Jedi in training was because she saw that it would lead to the death of her son. And I can't remember yeah. whether they said that she gave up her lightsaber because she saw that it would be used to kill her son. Because I'm not sure if. Um, because I guess Ray did stab him with the lightsaber, but I don't know whether that was Leia's that she she no, got him with. That was Luke's. Yeah, that was Luke's. She okay. Yeah, she didn't. So have so, yet. so I guess she just her. said it would be it would, that that her you know would lead to the death of her son, and that's why she sort of abandoned it. But I but I bought that, and um, and then the other thing I didn't really notice till the third viewing was the point you brought up, Craig, that um you know she she died, she basically distracted Kylo. Um, yeah. And allowed Ray to to stab him and and effectively end that battle. Um, but it definitely looked like Ray was getting a little overpowered at that point. Oh yeah, and how about yeah. that? How yeah. about that setting that right? That Kylo was beating her. Kylo yes. was uh, destroying her like he should be, right? Well, yeah, he was like fully he healthy and he was training. tapping into the dark side. Oh, he, he was, was tapping. Something. In. That was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and 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 it, and it worked for me that 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 Leia was the one to to basically stop him in his tracks, make him hesitate, right. drop his saber. And Ray caught it out of the air and stabbed him with it, right? Actually, that's what – didn't Ray catch it out of – he dropped his saber and Ray caught him and stabbed it with it? Isn't that what happened? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I she stabbed so, so. him with the, the red saber. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so that was – so it wasn't Leia's at all. It was, it was Kylo's own yeah, saber. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, no, that, that worked. And the thing that I didn't catch until this one was that even though she died in that moment, her body didn't – disappear until right. kylo's body disappeared and right. they, they disappeared together so that did lend uh credence to the idea that she was influencing kylo's memories because they they did say clearly in the film yeah. that, that his vision of han solo was uh from his memory yeah um but i i love that i love the i love the han arc i love that he came back i mean i love the tribute to bvs because that's one of the the scenes that gets me in bvs every time with um with Jonathan Kent, where he says, I missed you, son. And in this one, you know, it's, hey, kid. And then you're like, hold on, is that Han? And then you turn around and it's, I miss you, son. I missed you, son. Yeah, and I thought, oh, and, they're just going to oh, use his voice, but they actually had him there. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> no, and that, yeah. that one caught me totally by surprise, and I love that. I mean, it was, it was, that was for me the most emotional moment in the film. And, um, and I'm sure you, know, you both, losing your father doesn't, uh, you know, has an effect on that. Absolutely, and that's why it hit me in BVS so hard, and it, that's why it hit me in this one, both because, you know, just because it inherently hits me, but also because I love BVS so much, and I love that scene in BVS so much, and, uh, uh, no, I just, I thought that was great, and, um, I, I, they couldn't, I thought they couldn't have done any better with Leia, so. And they uh, connected nope. it to The Last Jedi as well, when he paused when he was going to shoot her in The Last Jedi, he couldn't do it, he had that connection with his mom, he was able to kill his dad. But he stopped when it came to killing his mother, and they used that again. So another connection to the Last Jedi. So there's yeah. actually there's a further connection there too, if you think about it as well, because you guys just mentioned the disappearing, you know, after the two of them expired, 
right? Yeah. And they and they both and they both passed away. That connection that they've built on between Kylo and Ray and that Luke right. can do it and that that projection and everything exactly, they built yeah, on that that, that force yeah. power yeah. and maybe a little piece of her was still alive not alive the way the four of us you know know of the, the word quote unquote alive but a piece of her soul was still alive right. as long as that connection was active yeah. Kylo could do what he needed to do but once once he died then that's it the two of them finally were able to find peace yeah, I think that's definitely what they were trying to say there. I mean, having her disappear at the same time as he did, it, it certainly seemed like a, a piece of her spirit was alive in him until he passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I thought that was great. Um, so moving on from Leia, uh, one of the big questions. I mean, we're coming up on the two or three biggest ones here, I think. Uh, let's start off with Ray's origin and power. And we asked the question, are they going to explain it? Uh, does it even matter? So this was a huge thing for a lot of people. Christian, why don't you uh, lead us off here? Yeah, I, I definitely whiffed out a little on this one. Uh, I gotta give a, I gotta, I'm gonna take my spot here to give Ray a little love. She is hands down my favorite character in this new trilogy, and probably the biggest reason is because her conflict is internal as opposed to external. Like me, suffering from mental health issues and everything like that. She's, she's always lost. She's desperate to find her place in the universe. She's, she thinks she's meant for more. She's convinced she's meant for more. She has this amazing power. She doesn't know where it came from. She can't control it, really. Uh, she can control aspects of it, but she typically can't do what she wants to do with it. The only person that really can understand her is a killer, right? He's a maniac. Her potential father figure, he freaking dies in Han Solo. Her guide in Luke, disillusioned with the universe, completely is pulled back. And But by the end of this, she has her family. Those are her friends now. She has a sense of purpose again. She believes in the power of the Force. She believes in the Jedi. She is the new hope. She is the new Luke. Uh, and I just – I love Rey. I love her character, and I, I hope I see her again. I don't know if we ever will, but I hope we see her character again. I adore this character. Um, I said that they would have to give us some sort of explanation because they had to, quote-unquote, give us an explanation. And the, the only thing I was hoping is that she wasn't a clone of Palpatine. Eh, okay, uh, so she wasn't a clone of Emperor Palpatine, but she is a Palpatine. Uh, so am I satisfied with it? Yeah, I, I think the execution, going back to what Lupe said a little before, is a little off. Uh, the execu- execution was definitely a little off, but I like it. Um, and you know what? It goes back to her lightsaber duel with uh, with Kylo in Force Awakens. She seemed to really enjoy the dark side. When she had him on his knees and he was bleeding and suffering from getting shot by the bowcaster and everything, she was circling him like, yeah, I'm going to take you out, motherfucker. You know, so she was definitely ready to do it. And in The Last Jedi, Luke mentioned how afraid he was. He saw her pull to the dark. We saw her pull to the dark uh, in that movie, her openness to it. So this kind of bought – an explanation to all that. Why does she see so open to the dark side? Uh, I, you know, maybe she will be more of a gray. She ended more of a gray in this movie, and that's great. But uh, this gave us an explanation as to why she has that pull to the dark side. And to me, it deepened one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars. All right. Uh, Lupe, what are your thoughts on Ray? Um, I think. I think that. All right. So let's start with The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens, everybody had like a major problem with Ray, like Mary Sue. Everything comes too easy. Who is this person, you know, who's just, you know, doing all this stuff and is just like has the best of luck at every turn. I didn't think she was a good character at that point. Uh, the last Jedi focused more on Luke. But what it did for Rey was it gave her a lot of like dramatic tension. It gave her a lot of conflict. It really added some elements to her character that made her more human 
made her more followable, made her, you know, more relatable and gave her an opportunity to actually grow into something special. And then J.J. Abrams was able to take what Rian Johnson did and establish a really good character. By the time we get to three, she has totally earned the the character arc that she has gone on. She's become a seasoned uh, knight, a seasoned warrior, so to speak. She's not at the apex of powers, although she shows flashes and a lot of potential because of her heritage. But I really think that Rian Johnson saved her character. And I think that J.J. Abrams pulled it home. All those things that he is, has a tendency to do in terms of, you know, making her Mary Sue and her overpowered and this and that. With Rian Johnson, you know, sort of knocking her down a few pegs and really adding a lot of drama to her character. He did that basically to all the characters in The Last Jedi. The uh, rise, so to speak, in Rise of the Skywalker. Uh, it, it landed very well for me. A very believable, strong character. Very believable, wise character. She still had conflicts in this one, but I really enjoyed, you know, who she was, how sure she was. She had been training. She's been through this for quite a while. Now, in terms of her heritage, um, I'm not sure what my, I can't remember what my exact expectation was, but I like that she was a Palpatine. I actually really do like it. I think it's a wonderful and a, a powerful um, story storyline. Uh, I just think it wasn't executed well. They just had to, you know, rush it and shove it in there palpatine comes out of nowhere because because um snoke is nobody because yeah they just didn't have explanations for it even the reveal you know was revealed through kylo ren then even when palpatine said it there wasn't like a lot of drama to it because the way you execute things like that is you need there to be this sort of tension between her and palpatine and then that reveal would would you know, do some, but it just felt kind of flat. But the general idea was very strong. So yeah, Ray, very good character. I like in terms of like Star Wars lore, I think she's one of the best characters. I really do. <laughs> I want to uh, I want to say real quick, by the way, I've listened to the clips before. And Lupe, you said in your clip, they will tie her to Palpatine. You said, that. <laughs> wow, so, okay. just calling you out, man. You got <laughs> <All right>. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Craig, what, do you, what are your thoughts on uh, on how they explained Ray's origins and power? Yeah, I, I agree that she's uh, her her character really came into her own in this movie. It's been building up. I've I've liked her, and now I really liked her in this one. And uh, I, I like the uh, the struggle. They really show the struggle with the dark side, and it, and it's made even more believable, I think, than than Luke's struggle with the dark side. When I watched the originals, I really didn't understand why Luke was why like i didn't really fear his potential to go to the dark side i'm like that this doesn't make sense i mean i was a kid at the time i get it more now but i think they did a better job of portraying that she's got this evil and so much power that she doesn't understand and and isn't quite sure what's going to happen if she truly unleashes it and that fear is it was they did a good job with that um one other point i wanted to make the the other connection between uh of her being a palpatine is the whole english accent so Imperials always have an English accent and she had mm. the English accent and they went out of their way to make Finn not use his English accent, mm. you know, to show yeah. that he was, you know, on the good side, even though he was a bad guy. <laughs> you know, I'm using and, and really that, childish terms here. <laughs> simple. No, but, terms, no, but, but you're, you're, you're right. And, and then that also played into the whole idea of was she a Kenobi? 
which kind of left you could wondering, could, could she have been a Kenobi? Could she have been a Palpatine? And in hindsight, there were hints that she was a Palpatine, and it certainly plays into the dark side, uh, uh, explains sort of the, the lure to the dark side. And like you say, and I hadn't considered the whole contrast versus Luke uh, being lured to the dark side and Ray being lured to the dark side, but you're right. It is much more believable in this case, partly because of the lineage, right? Um Although you could argue yeah. that Luke's father was 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 the dark side as well, but but he um, feels like he was turned. He was he started yeah. out good and then was turned. Where was turned. so Luke still naturally has the good in him, I would say. Yeah. You know, with the potential to go bad, but we didn't really see that until the very last. You know, until Return of the Jedi, it was kind of then we saw like, okay, whoa, this is what's going. A little bit, I guess, it was hinted at in Empire as well. Yeah, it was talked about him. Um, but yeah, it still, it was always like, what? He's so good. How would he go back? But Ray, there's always been kind of, there's been some hints of, of her, you know, like you said, uh, like Christian said, she wanted to kill Kylo at the end there and, uh, at the end of Force Awakens. And the only thing that actually stopped her was the fact that the, the there was a, the planet cracked and she couldn't get to him or he, yeah, or she, she would have. She, yeah, she looked to. like she was about to chop his throat. Yes, She was never hindered by the Jedi code of nobility. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. She was never tied to that. Right, yeah, and she like thought it. he just killed Finn. He, you know, he, he just, she just saw him kill her um, Han. So she was mad. <laughs> she was using that dark side power for sure. And which is one of the only reasons that gives her a chance, really, is that she's tapping into the dark side, but. Anyhow, um, yeah, so I, yeah, I think they did a good job. I'm glad they, they added in the origin. I wanted to just, my idea was that I wanted to just hear a story, whatever it was. I, I wanted some background. I like that they did it. They didn't throw out the fact that her parents were nobodies, but her parents, they, they said her parents chose to be nobodies. They were hiding her. Um, so that wasn't thrown out. They didn't retcon it. They just, you know, altered it and made it from a different point of view. Um, but it was still it was still part of the story. And it made sense. That's what Kylo saw a vision of, you know, having parents that were nobodies. And, and that was that. And then the the emperor added in that. Oh, wait, no, there's more to it than that. Um, you know, and so it, it all they made it made sense. And uh, I liked it. Yeah, well, I, I don't have I don't have a whole lot to add. I think you guys covered it. Uh, the one thing I would add is that I, I also like the way they explained and tied in the bounty hunter that was sent by Palpatine to kill her parents and how her parents had. Uh, sold her off to protect her, and the ship that they left on was actually the bounty hunter ship. If you go back to the Force Awakens, the ship that her parents yeah, I'm glad they used she, that. Yeah. yeah, they flash back to her seeing her parents leaving that ship, and that was the bounty hunter ship, and uh, and he was responsible for killing them. So, um, at the at the behest of of of, of Palpatine, right? Um, so yeah. this was, and Palpatine had actually sent that bounty hunter to retrieve his granddaughter so that he could. Um, I guess lure her to the dark side or, and train her to be the the empress, I guess, of the dark side. Uh, but they were they sacrificed her parents, sacrificed their own lives to keep to keep her safe, which um, I thought tied it all together very well. And and I and I really do to the point that I actually believe that's kind of what JJ had planned right from the beginning. So um, I'm I'm if you ask me, was that planned or was it not planned? I I think that piece was planned right from the beginning. I think he planted a lot of different seeds and so someone else could pick it up. It didn't necessarily have to be that, but it was planted. It could have gone in another direction. He left it open to go in many different directions, and I think that's what they kind of tasked him to do. It's possible, but but I think he, he did a real good job of tying that up, uh, picking a direction and yeah. tying it up. So As good as he could. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I I thought it was great, and and to to echo your sentiments, Ray Ray, uh, and not when I say you, I mean the group of you. I think we're all kind of in agreement that Ray is the best character from this new trilogy. That uh, oh, I don't know uh, about that. Kylo's pretty good. Kylo, Ky- especially in this last 
Yeah. So so Kylo Kylo redeemed himself in this last one. That's the and I would say they almost you know they they almost come as a two pack. But if I had to pick one character, I I loved Kylo in this movie, but I also mm-hmm. loved Ray in this movie and in the trilogy yeah, as great. a whole. Um, you know, I, Kylo's whininess gives Ray the uh, in the first two movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. gives gives Ray the edge <laughs> as in the trilogy. So I I, I think I she's think... my favorite character. I think that Finn also redeemed himself in this. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll get to that. But I think I think we're all in agreement that this was a, a, a triumph for Finn and Poe, especially Finn. So, oh, yeah. uh, so, so we'll, and we'll I, drop you know, it. I, you're right. You guys are right, by the way. I think you can hold Kylo and Rey almost neck and neck. You know, throughout the trilogy, they're definitely the ones that stand out uh, between the two of them. And I keep seeing online, especially people that don't like Rey, because they keep throwing the Mary Sue out. So they have to stick with that narrative now. Right. They can't leave that narrative. So they keep saying they want to tear down Ray and say how bad of a character she is. She is not a bad character. And she has a fully fleshed out arc in all three movies, as does Kylo. Those yeah. two characters carry this trilogy. Yeah, because I don't think they mess yeah. with their arcs as much as anybody else. Like no. they just they stuck with them. I mean, other than Ray's background, you know, which is questionable what, whether they had it planned or not. Mm-hmm. it's yeah i mean especially kylo i think kylo was the most planned out from the beginning and they stuck probably mostly to his overall arc yep yeah no i think in the end they were both both great but if i had to pick one uh that was consistently a character i liked from beginning to end it, it's right. yeah yeah right so all right mm. so so now jumping into the big one and this is the one i think that as uh, maybe as much as the luke uh backlash this is the one that broke the fandom and and I think more specifically broke the trilogy. And this is the one that left them scrambling to pick up the pieces. And the question is, Snoke, who was he? What, his origin, his rise to power, does he even matter? Uh, this to me, when they cut him in half and threw him away, this is what killed the trilogy. Um, so did they, did they adequately answer who Snoke was, where he came from, and were they able to pull this back on track? Um, Christian, let's start off with you. Yeah, I'm I'm 50-50 with you on that. I 100% agree with you that it broke the fandom. I completely disagree that it broke the trilogy because I couldn't have cared less about Snoke. But my, by the way, my take was a complete 100% whiff. I said that they wouldn't bother to give us an explanation. Uh, they did. So um, I I uh, I gotta tell you this. I I liked the failed Snokes, the kind of creepy looking deformed Snokes that were uh, potentially clones of Palpatine. What they gave us was very, very short. It was satisfying. I do want to point out that me personally, this is just me as a Star Wars fan, I did not require an explanation for Snoke. The arc of Kylo becoming the supreme leader and Rey and her story were far more important to me. He was just a big, bad, cackling dark side user. Uh, who thought he was controlling Kylo, but at the end of the day, Kylo had his own ambitions, and he was the one that was in control. I did not need an explanation, but the one we got was perfectly fine. Um, Not perfect, I should say. Let me rephrase that. Not perfectly fine. It was fine. And uh, I liked the little creepy, uh, you know, they were in, like, test tubes or something. They were, like, these deformed, horrible, like, disgusting-looking Snokes. I hope for the Star Wars fans that were pissed off that they didn't get something from Snoke, that that satisfied them, that maybe he was a failed clone of Palpatine. Palpatine was always the guy that was the Machiavellian dude in the background controlling the uh, the entire thing. That, of course, harkens back to his character from the prequel trilogy because he was always the Machiavellian dude that was pulling the strings in the background. So I think that was a nice connection to the prequel and the original trilogy that he has never changed. He is still the Palpatine that we know and hate. Uh, he's always going to be the guy that's in the background. So again, it was satisfying. I just want to throw it out there. I didn't need it. All right, Lupe. Um, I agree with the 
Christian on the fact that I do think that it was one of the major points of contention for fans. Um, it did surprise me in The Last Jedi because I did expect and maybe even want for him to be something more. J.J. Um, Abrams definitely set him up to be something more. Um, but that's also why it's obvious that this whole Palpatine thing was just shoved in there. Because Snoke was never ever set up just to be a patsy, was set up to be a very significant player. Um, but what Rian Johnson did, I was okay with because I'm the type of person who's okay with unconventional storytelling and uh, storytelling that upends my expectations and takes me by surprise. That to me is one of the joys of, you know consuming media and consuming stories and myth telling because i've watched so much stuff and heard so much stuff that if it's you know the same old same old you know recycled stuff it just bores me and doesn't really do anything for my spirit but um i think that the explanation that they gave was it was very feeble it was very weak it was one of the problems that i have with the film in terms of them course correcting was just really clumsy and brutish um i think that they should have followed the path that uh rian johnson set up in the last jedi just being that this is what the sith do they tend to assassinate themselves they all they're always looking to upend each other and and kill each other and all that kylo did was exactly what um was exactly what sith do and it might have been very interesting to place kylo in a in a huge 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 role of of power and see you know where things go from there and maybe not even give him a redemption arc at all that i would have been very interested in but you know jj abrams going jj abrams and he jj abrams so we got what we got all right craig what are your thoughts on this yeah i agree with lupe lupe about snoke supposed to be he was supposed to be more you know, and it is clumsy the way they had to quickly explain it because there wasn't time to 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 flesh all that out, and it's just it's just it's a it's messy. And uh, I didn't I didn't love that they had to bring Palpatine back. It probably could have been a good story, keeping Snoke as the big bad and killing him off. I think you guys have said is that fine to do it and fine to surprise it, but in the middle after you you've come this far, it makes it really tough. Because I don't think Kylo is believable as the big, big bad. Um, I can agree with you there. I can yeah. definitely agree with you there. Like, I, I don't think that Rian Johnson killing off Snoke at that point in the way he did, I don't think it was perfectly executed. I can yeah. agree with you there. I mean, it was interesting that it was a surprise. Yeah, that was a cool t- It was a cool twist. I actually was like, whoa, shocking, which was made it interesting. But then when you take a step back and say, okay, now what? And uh, it made it, yeah. You use you used it. You said the best word, Lupe. He's clumsy. It's just it's tough to explain now, and and you could not spend the time to do it. And that's kind of they just had to. Paul said, you know, you had to kind of pick up the pieces and move on. And here's one shot of him, you know, as a, as a clone or whatever he was. And it doesn't completely make sense. Like I, the background material they're going to have to put out there to explain this, and I still don't think they're going to do a good job. I don't. I don't think it'll ever really sit with me properly i this is a tough one always yeah, yeah no i agree with you craig uh i i, I think and lupe i think that he was meant to be more um clearly 
I think they had to pick up the pieces, make the best they could of it. Um, and I also, I think I remember saying in our preview that I have, I had a fear that they were going to kind of throw you a bone and then say, don't worry about that here. Look at this. And that's kind of what, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's kind of what they did. Um, I know they, that's they, exactly what they did. Yeah. <laughs> like, look at this. Here he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about here, 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 but, but, but don't worry about that. Here's Palpatine. Yeah, exactly. And then that's, and that's kind of what they did. They showed you him in a jar and they said, you know, I'm every voice you've ever heard. And, uh, I made Snoke. And I've been basically so we're we're assuming that Snoke was basically a a long range force puppet, an avatar through which Palpatine could could act. And that's it's weak, but given the situation they were put in, I don't think you know, and, and the time constraints they had in this film, it was enough. You know, it was enough to get me through, but I didn't yeah. I didn't At I least didn't in the love movie it. you can say you can say, Okay, let's move on. Let's go watch yeah, this. Yeah, okay, they addressed Snoke, let's move on. And I'm and I thought what they did with the Emperor was pretty cool, so I was willing to forgive them. Um but um yeah, no, it wasn't it wasn't ideal. And, and Christian, to your point, if you're saying that Snoke was just there to to basically prop up Kylo, well, you can't even properly prop up Kylo if you don't explain where Snoke came from, how he found Kylo, how he corrupted him. I mean, these are these are important things. And instead of explaining that, they just said, no, it was the Emperor all along. Snoke was just a puppet. And and to that, ex- you know, to a certain extent, that kind of works because you have the history with the Emperor to believe that he would have been aware of Kylo, would have um, found a way to to locate Kylo and and slowly corrupt him and bring him over. And and so. I guess it it's kind of a lazy way of 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 basically giving credibility to that storyline without having to go tell it again from the perspective of Snoke as a real character. So so long story short, um, I didn't love it, but it didn't break the movie for me because I liked what they did with the Emperor. Um, now, that's not a 100 percent. I loved what they did with the Emperor. And we're going to get into that on the next question. So the next question was the Emperor. How are they going to bring him back? Is he really back at all? How are they going to pull this off? So, Christian, why don't you lead us off? How did what did you expect, and how did this meet your expectations? It actually pretty much met them. Um, I felt that you know if you guys we we you know the the three Star Wars nerds on on the pod. I apologize, Lupe, uh, but the three uh, Star Wars nerds okay. on the pods. <laughs> Have have read on the expanded universe and taken a look at the comic books and the, the novels and everything. And uh, the Emperor has had secret cloning facilities uh, across the galaxy, with one in particular. And he was obsessed with finding a way to live forever. And uh, in the prequel trilogy, he said the dark side is a path to many ways that people would say are unnatural, right? So he he already was you know, they planted that seed that he was looking into that. So I really felt that the only way for them to do it was for him to either be a clone or his dark side essence gets passed into what would be a clone. And then that clone grows back into Palpatine. And he had a secret facility that was doing it because he had already, he had planned on the rule of two. He had planned on being killed at some point or he had planned on just dying of natural causes at some point. He was obsessed with staying alive. So to me, this was satisfying. They didn't fully explain it. That's Star Wars for you. That's pretty much what you expect, that they're not going to fully explain it in a movie. And uh, you're probably going to get some sort of explanation in a comic or uh, in Timothy Zahn going off and being a genius and doing his thing. So that's probably what you're going to get. 
so I was fine with it. Uh, it. It kept with the character. We talked before about whether or not Palpatine should have been the big bad. That's not the, it doesn't matter. He's the big bad. He's the guy they bought back. So the way they did it to me was perfectly satisfying. I, th- I thought it was fine. They didn't have to give me a full explanation and they didn't. It was it was fine. You had this uh, really kind of creepy looking facility. Uh, definitely dark side alchemy. You know, Sith alchemy was being used there. I'll end it with this, by the way. He looked cool. He just he looked disgusting. You know, the bones were coming out of his freaking fingers and stuff. like. He wasn't fully formed. It was a Palpatine that was existing and was alive, but he definitely wanted to be something more, and he was going to use Kylo and Rey to do it. And it was, it was yeah, kind of just disgusting. So I like Yeah, he, he, was, he was ominous, and he brought the threat back, that's for sure. And, I, and without, uh, you know, jumping ahead, I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll pass over to Lupe. Lupe, let's give us, uh, give us your thoughts. Um, could you repeat the question? Yeah, so this was the Emperor. So how are they going to bring him back? And is he really back at all? And what, what were your expectations going in? And, and how did what they gave us meet your expectations? Um, I can't remember exactly what my expectations were. I I thought that it was a very high potential you know, storyline. I did like the fact that they could bring him in. I, I liked his presence. I liked I, – I mean – this has been set up. Good storytelling is when something is set up, you know, far in the past or, you know, and then it pays off later down the road. And I feel that George Lucas had set it up brilliantly uh, with that, you know, iconic scene between Palpatine and um, Anakin. And to see it pay off here, it was it was satisfying. It was it had a lot of potential. It just wasn't. The in-between, it just wasn't built up properly. And obviously that's because of the direction that J.J. Abrams decided to go after The Last Jedi. Um, and you alluded to something, um, Paul, about how this felt like it was two films in one and everything was just mashed together and quickly rushed so that they could. It felt like it was both a middle and a conclusion together. And um, I feel like the film suffered for for that. So... I feel like it had a lot of potential. It still did in some parts. It felt natural and felt good. And it felt like this does make sense as a story point. But because of how staccato and stop, start, change direction, left, right. Okay, they don't want us to go left. Let's go right. No, 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 no. Not that right. (laughs) You know, Um, it just didn't come off as well as it could have. So I'm kind of mixed feelings on it, really. Okay. Craig, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they really gave us the one line, you know, that, and I said they would tie it, they, that they should tie it to Darth Plagueis because that lore was established. And basically, to make it quick and short, they really did and it didn't have to explain a lot because they tied it to that with the one line The dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. And that was it. <laughs> Move on. So, I mean, they did what they had to do to, to make it happen. So, you know, I again, there's some missed opportunities for me there, but they kind of left in a tough situation and 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 did it uh, fairly well. It, re- it really, you know, it was it was enough to to keep it going with the movie without having to add a ton of explanation in there that would have just you know made the movie too long. So yeah, again, a missed opportunity, but they did what they had to do and it it worked for me. Yeah, so so I think I had the most outlandish prediction for this one. I uh, I didn't think we were going to get the physical manifestation of Palpatine. I thought that he had transferred his essence and his and his knowledge into a holocron before the Death Star blew up, and they were going to find his holocron on the Death Star 
uh, Kylo was, and and we're going to find out that through this holocron, his essence had been manipulating Kylo all along from afar. And, and and it wasn't it wasn't actually that far off in a way no. because there was a holocron on the Death Star. Actually really, yeah, you really weren't. Uh, you know, yeah, except that holocron was a wayfinder, not a holocron. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Palpatine was manipulating Kylo from afar. Just and not I think Lupe said that. I think Lupe said that the, there'd be voices in Kylo's head. Did well, that, you know that was in the that, well, that was in the trailer before our preview. No, that no, was, we didn't. We didn't. Oh, see that, that that trailer was after our preview. Yeah, right? we hadn't seen that. I, I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't see that trailer. I never saw no. that. and that was the, before the trailer right? came out after our preview. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because when I saw it, I'm like, oh yeah. Because as soon Lupe, as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, that's definitely what they're gonna do. That sounds great, and they did it. You got that part right. Yeah. So so but so so here's the thing. Um. They introduced a holocron, but it wasn't really a holocron. It was a wayfinder. They did a find it on the Death Star. Um, Ray was tempted by it, by, uh, by whatever she saw on the Death Star. And now Palpatine was remotely manipulating Kylo. I'm still not clear whether he was a clone or whether that was the actual Palpatine that survived. Judging by his state, if he was a clone, I don't think he would have been this decrepit, half-formed mm-hmm. old man. He would have been uh, something healthier, something stronger, presumably, right? I, I think that was the actual remnants of Palpatine's physical body being kept alive by those tubes and fluids that were pumping into him. Now, yeah. how did he? How did he survive? Maybe I don't know. they don't. Maybe they don't the maybe the Palpatine on the Death Star was a clone, and he's always been this decrepit thing in the back that died somewhere or got that way somewhere in between the prequels and the the original movies. Yeah, I, I, I well, it's possible. I, yeah, I don't personally it's a theory. think that's it. Um, I, I thought one of the cringiest lines in this whole movie, that, that Dominic Monaghan guy, uh, had two of the cringiest lines in the movie. And, and one of them was that, out of nowhere, this guy we don't know <laughs> comes with, oh, yeah, cloning, the dark arts, Sith magic. Just throws out like, the who, is this, who is this cheesy guy coming <laughs> in here piping up about the Sith like he knows something, right? That was the most shoehorned in line yeah. of bad exposition I've ever seen. But I, I could block that out because this – neither validated nor invalidated the headcanon I built around this whole resurrection. Um, so in that sense, it lets me continue to believe what I want to believe for better or worse until they solidify it in some comic book or offshoot novel, which they probably will do at some point. And I think, and we'll get to this later, but I think that there supposedly was a version. And I think this came from a credible source. This came from the editor, editor herself, uh, that, they did actually explain it more in the movie and then decided to cut it out because it didn't – it affected the flow of the film, I guess. Um, and I don't have the exact quote, but but there was a greater explanation in an earlier edit of this film, uh, which would be interesting to see. It would be interesting. Maybe, but maybe the fact that they leave it open to your to your headcanon is not necessarily a bad move. So, so all things considered, um, I was hoping for more. Uh, I can live with what we got, and I love the Palpatine that we got. He brought back the ominous – presence the fear of the dark side that was missing in the first two films this was the first time where i really felt like the dark side was a threat and and i like the sith and the jedi i think blowing up the sith and the jedi and moving on to some nebulous uh gray jedi or or there's not really a dark or a light well i tend to like shades of gray in a lot of filmmaking in star wars i like the dark and the light i like the sith and the jedi i like the lightsaber battles and the force powers that's what i expect from star wars um, so 
So for me, he brought back the Star Wars to me. He brought back the Sith. He brought back the darkness and the um, and the big bad, I guess, of the Star Wars for me. So I, I was overall pretty pleased with Palpatine. And he, to me, um, he was both one of the greatest strengths of this film and one of the most frustrating weaknesses in that one throwaway line of expositional dialogue to try to explain how he survived. So uh, we'll leave, I'll leave that one there. Um, next was, will we see Anakin Skywalker or Darth Vader? And I think this will be a quicker one. I mean, we had one line of Hayden Christensen's voice. Uh, in the end, where as we predicted, there was going to be uh, all the Force Ghosts coming together to, to lend Rey their power, and um, and it pretty much happened as as we expected. And and we expected that even without you know without knowing that that was one of the leaks. Um, so I guess you know we had some theories about what might happen here. So I guess really the question is, given how little we got, um, was, was this adequate what we got in the film? How did it meet your expectations? Because I think we all had sort of hoped there might be more. Uh, so Christian, I'll let, let, uh, let you start us off. He was slightly dissatisfying to me. I, I, I definitely, I thought actually, I thought Vader was going to be appear in some sort of vision and we got his suit, uh, and they finally destroyed the suit. So it's time to move on symbolism. Right. So that's that. So I, there's really not much else to say about that. I guess Vader and the, the, uh, the legacy of Vader is gone. I did believe that we would get a full Anakin force ghost. I did think that and potentially have him interacting with his son, uh, guiding Ray, I thought that would have been a nice, <clears throat> touching little moment. So it's a little dissatisfying for me. But we did get him. If you listen, he said stuff like when she had that moment at the end when she was when she felt the the previous Jedi coming through her, I guess you know coming to her defense and and speaking through her. Anakin's voice said, "Bring back the balance, Ray," as I did. He also said, "I believe, let it lift you. The Force surrounds you." So he was still a guide. I like that. If I'm not mistaken, that was Hayden Christensen's voice. I hope I'm not wrong because it definitely yeah, sounded it like him. Yeah. So was. absolutely sounded like him. Thank you for confirming that. I appreciate it. Um, because my wife looked at me, was like, "Whoa, whoa, was that?" An-? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it definitely. I said it sounded like him. So I'll end it because I don't think I have too much more to say. It was partially satisfying i I would have liked even in that ending moment when she took the skywalker name it would have maybe been nice to see the family together with ben you see you get leia and luke and that's it give me leia luke ben yeah anakin just give me everybody or give me nothing don't even show it at all i would have been fine with that um but i think i wanted to see him one final time in his full form it would have been nice to see him standing next to his son okay lupe what, what do you what do you think about this Lupe, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on the how how they dealt with Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader? Yeah, um, I I personally would have liked the theory that I had. I would have liked for Vader to be speaking to to Anakin, and I would have liked at the same time, obviously as they did for um mm. for I mean for, for Vader to be speaking to Kylo, Kylo. and I liked. Anakin speaking to Rey. Um, I just I think that, that would have added something to the mythology, something to the effect of when someone goes to the dark side, even if they convert back like their essence, there's a part of their essence that stays there or something like that. That would have been some something really like esoteric and very mythological and dark to explore about maybe the consequences of going to the dark side and contributing to that. And um I like like Christian said, Vader he sucks the air out of <laughs> an entire movie, an entire whatever it is. If you guys have have uh, have played the recent, I don't want to give any spoilers, 
but I want to say if you guys have played the recent um, Star Wars, uh, oh, dude, dude yeah, don't spoil it. Oh man, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> but all I want to say is that yeah, is that Christian, you're 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 like Christian is, is so right about about you know the presence of Vader or whatever, and I think that there is. I think the way that I suggested, or maybe any other way that they could think of, would be could be a very interesting way of adding that element, and it could qualify as fan service. But there's a way you can do fan service where it feels natural, where it it expands the the mythology. It's surprising. It's different. Yeah. It's unique. You know, it's unexpected. And I yeah. think that that would have been a very very cool element. So I missed Vader. I like that there was Anakin, and I do agree with Christian that there could have even been a little bit more Anakin, because Anakin, after all, is a Skywalker. Fair enough. Craig, thoughts? Yeah, so I, I said that, you know, I was hoping for and said that there would be a trip to Mustafar, mm-hmm. um, and where Vader, a holocron of Vader, a vision of Vader would come in, a mm-hmm. holocron projection of him would come in. Um, and we did get the trip to Mustafar, that, that planet in the beginning was Mustafar. We didn't know, um, but apparently it was cut out. There was a little Vader in there, and it at least explained that they were on Mustafar or showed better that mm. they were on Mustafar and that that was Vader's holocron that they were getting. I don't know why they cut that out. If, or really? Why they didn't, yes, or why they didn't include that. That is a uh-huh. huge missed It makes no yeah. sense. That, that's Not one of the cuts. That. That's one of the Reddit rumors we're going to get to is that supposedly that scene on Mustafar was two minutes longer and it included it – included, uh, Kylo being influenced by Vader's uh, breathing and having blurred vision, and, and you hear Vader's breathing while he's cutting down these guys. And, yeah, and um, these guys are apparently uh, like acolytes of Darth Vader. Like, uh, it, you know, they were defending his castle. Like, you know, whether it's a whether that's true or not, it's a missed opportunity. No matter what, they should have done yeah. more with it. They should yeah, have fan fiction or that. not, that's pretty cool fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> right, and they could have that. They should have just done it. <laughs> whether that's yeah. planned, whether it caught out or not, they should have that. Should have been in the film, and it would have been amazing. Um, and uh, I also, so what I would have wanted to see was again, like you guys said, more Anakin and more so Vader in the beginning and Anakin at the end. More, we got a little bit, but more. I would have liked to actually see the Force Ghost of him and Force Ghost, the other Force Ghost. You still need it to be Ray's story. You still need Ray to be the one that wins, that mm-hmm. that turns the tide. But to see the help, to actually see, I would have loved to see Anakin in the movie. Um, and that's that's what I had said. And so again, this the the Vader and Anakin thing is just a huge missed opportunity. And you guys are talking about Darth Vader like sucking the air out of a room. I just I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> I think it's great. No, I don't I, either. I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it's just it's just an observation that whenever you okay, put Vader gotcha. in anything, people are just people are gonna go crazy and talk about it. It's yep. not a bad thing at all. Okay, As I good. said. Yeah. It's one of those things that could be seen as fan service, but it depends on how you do it, as you said. Um, yeah. it's well executed, if it's unexpected, if it's adding to the lore in unexpected, right. new, you know, rich ways, then I'm all for it. Yeah. I think uh, Rogue One did it perfectly. Oh, right? yeah. We, we had yeah, Vader. We got oh. to see Vader in the middle. And, and to be honest, Paul and I talked about this. I would have been perfectly fine if the two-minute scene with Director Krennic was the only Vader we got. We got mm-hmm. to see him ominous. 
He choked mm-hmm. him out for a couple minutes. Oh, mm-hmm. you said – and he was snarky Vader, right, which is what they, we got sarcastic mm-hmm. snarky Vader in the original trilogy too. And when if he walked away and said, no, the Death Star doesn't exist. I'm going to tell the Senate whatever the fuck I want to tell him, and you're just going to suck it up, buddy. And he went, that would have been fine enough. But then we get Vader – slaughtering people at the end of that movie and we got to see vader being frightening again i think just so you know lupe and i are not saying that vader sucking out the oxygen in the room is a bad thing but if you want to tell another story you got to make sure you put vader in just the right amount because if you put too much vader it's now a vader story and i don't want to know anything else okay yeah Yeah, i agree with that (laughs) yeah so so i guess when it comes to um, you know Anakin and Vader, I think going back and look at what I had predicted, I, I thought this was tied into. I know we talked briefly about you know there being potentially two different Force ghosts, and I thought no, there's there's only one true Force ghost. That's Anakin. He's completed his arc. He's good now. But I thought that the Emperor might be using um, Vader to influence the visions of Vader to right, influence yeah. Kylo Ren, and and that was essentially what he admitted. He said, "I'm every voice you've ever heard," and that's the moment you hear Vader's voice because it goes from mm-hmm. uh, Emperor's voice to Snoke voice to vader's voice he says i'm every voice you've ever heard inside yeah. your head so they should have done more that. Like that yeah well and and, and and that would have fit perfectly in with that opening mustafar scene that's yep. vader's voice influencing him that's yeah. the emperor's voice pretending to be vader influencing him it would have been perfect um yeah. whether or not that's actually in an extended cut of the film who knows maybe we'll find out maybe we won't uh but that would have been enough for me um, I, I was hoping to get some visions of, of actual vader but but in having seen the movie i don't think it would have fit um, now, Anakin, uh, would, would I have liked to have seen more of his Force ghosts? Maybe, but, but again, I, in, in context of, of like having seen the film now, I don't know where that would have fit. I might have liked to have heard his voice a little more prominently because it wasn't till the third watch that I actually started to separate out who those Jedi voices were. Uh, that's a scene I'd want to watch a few more times and try and pick out which voice is which. But, but, you know, on the third watch, it was kind of clear that bring, bring balance to the force like I did. Well, that's obviously Anakin. Uh, it would have been, you know, a little bit more Hayden Christensen would have been nice, but I think they did it pretty well. And until Christian just mentioned it now, I didn't even consider that he, that Ray at the end could have looked over and seen not just Luke and Leia, but also all the other Skywalkers. Um, ben, Ben Solo, who I guess, you know, doesn't have the Skywalker name, but he is technically Skywalker lineage. Um, you know, you could have seen him, uh, you could have seen Hayden Christensen there, and that might have been nice, uh, as opposed to her taking on Luke and Leia as surrogate parents when her own parents did nothing wrong. They gave their lives to, to, uh, to keep her alive, basically to protect her. Uh, it would have seemed less like a, like a renouncement of her own parentage, uh, if all the Skywalkers were there. So that, that could have worked. But overall, I thought it was pretty good. Um, sometimes less is more, and, um, and this left you wanting more. Um, so, Overall, I was okay with what they gave us. Mm-hmm. So, uh, moving on, next question uh, was, will Ray turn to the dark side? Will Kylo turn to the light? And we definitely saw, um, well, one of these obviously happened. Kylo turned to the light, and Ray certainly was tempted by the dark side. I think we got mostly what we expected. Uh, Christian, you want anything you know, to add to this? Any sort of points you want to bring up in relation to this arc? Did it meet your expectations? I want to say my, I think my original quote was Disney doesn't have the balls to turn Ray to the dark side. Yeah. So and I stand by that. They didn't have the balls to do it. They didn't. Her arc was great. I have no arguments. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. So I actually felt that Kylo was not going to die, and I thought the both of them were going to be gray Jedi. So whiff, struck out on that one. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that's what I wanted. It's what I felt was going to happen. I think that Lupe alluded to this before. Actually, he didn't allude to it. He said it straight out. There were a lot of things in this movie that he expected. 
when I saw what was happening with Kylo at the end, I saw where it was going. I expected it. It did not ruin the movie for me, but it was expected. So it was a nice ending for him. It was a satisfying ending for him. Not really much else I can say about that. It, it was probably the best thing for him to pass away and for Ray's story to continue because I might have questioned where does Kylo go from here if he wasn't a gray Jedi. Okay. Lupe? Um, so I, I didn't expect Ray to go dark side, uh, full blown dark side. I might have expected her to have a, a little flirtation, a brief stint. I thought that the, uh, the little misdirect that was in the trailers, I thought that she would actually like, you know, put on, you know, Sith robes and, you know, have a Sith lightsaber and all that stuff. Um, as a matter of fact, like when that little, jump scare scene happened that was like a real cool sort of juxtaposition against who she who she is as christian alluded to earlier i think they did a fantastic job with her temptation to the dark side um i think that uh it was you know craig you know said it really well that it was even more believable that she would go to the dark side possibly uh than even for Luke in the OG trilogy. So I think those were really good elements. Um, as for Kylo, I've never believed that he deserved a redemption uh, arc. Um, I think that what he did, the the sin he committed was just a step too far. Um, but I feel like J.J. Abrams played it safe and like had his cake and ate it too. So Kylo did get the redemption arc hey rainbows and green meadows and sunshine will live happily ever after <laughs> but at the same time he died so you know it's kind of like you know he didn't get away he didn't fully get away with what he did um <laughs> his death is one of the worst deaths in recent movie history <laughs> um it's up there with the dark knight it, rises it was when bad yeah. dies. um <laughs> But uh, those are my thoughts on it. As as just as we go on in this podcast, I want people to remember that I enjoyed this movie. Like I didn't come out and I wasn't like stomping my feet. Uh, that was trash. That was horrible. I was like, oh, that, that was fun. That was actually like an enjoyable movie. But my thing with the whole Star Wars franchise is that I believe it has so much more potential. And I hate seeing wasted potential. And I just feel like when it doesn't push itself, when it doesn't push the boundaries, when it doesn't, you know, do unexpected things, uh, I feel like it, it it lets me down. And that's not always the case with Star Wars because Jedi Fallen Order is really good storytelling that, you know, it doesn't push the boundaries too far. I don't think it, it would, obviously it wasn't divisive, so it wouldn't offend any um, Star Wars fans, but things like, you know, Knights of the Old Republic and Jedi Fallen Order show that Star Wars actually has potential to tell stories that don't just pander to fans and pander to nostalgia you know um so i just wanted to you know place that as a caveat as we go forward all right craig what are your thoughts on the whole uh turn to the dark turn to the light yeah i don't think any of us thought that ray was going to go to the dark side and kylo i mean it was there are a lot of signs pointing that he would go to the light so for me i was pretty open-minded and i was just more paying attention to how it was sold and how the story was told and would it be would it be good no matter what they did and uh, I wasn't sure how I feel about Kylo going back to the light like if they could pull it off and, and I think they did a really good job of it I thought it might be more like Darth Vader where he doesn't go to the last second 
But I, I like that there was some time, you know, that we were allowed to see him for a little bit. You know, people want more. Um, but it was actually nice that it wasn't right at the end. It was before the end leading into it. And he had a kind of a, a comeback. You know, you knew he was coming, but <laughs> it was it was it, it was rewarding for me, satisfying to see it happen. So I think they did a good job with it. Yeah, I, I loved it, actually. I thought, um, I mean, Ray's flirtation with the dark side, I thought it was interesting because I think it was Leia that said to her earlier in the film, uh, don't be afraid of who you are. And then when she touches that holocron and, and has the vision, it's herself as a Sith, uh, the, the you know, with her Palpatine lineage saying, don't be afraid of who you are. So you get the the sort of the, the parallel between, um, you know, and apparently Leia knew who she was all along. But, yeah. you know, Leia said, that, you know, don't be afraid of who you are. And then this again, don't be afraid of who you are, two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. I thought that little flirtation worked. Yeah, um, I don't think we I don't think we needed any more. Um, this was almost exactly what I thought would happen, though. I remember in our, in our preview saying that I thought that Kylo and the Emperor would try to turn Rey to the dark. And in the end, Rey would turn Kylo and they would both – uh, defeat the emperor with Kylo dying. Um, the only difference is that Kylo had turned earlier on, like you said, Craig. Yeah. I thought it'd be a last minute thing. He yeah. turned earlier. Um, and I thought his turn was convincing because they set up his conflict in the first movie. He was still conflicted somewhat in the second movie. Um, and the moment that made him irredeemable, the, the killing of his father was the yeah. moment that really redeemed him in this. And I thought yeah. there was a really great, um, sort of call back to that scene and, and it was it was the most effective redemption yeah because if his father can forgive him for killing him then but who are we not to <laughs> yeah well and and the thing is this isn't this isn't like a pure he's a hero now redemption it doesn't no. undo all the killing he's done and no one ever asserts it's that like it real is. life it's like real life yeah. if you killed somebody but then felt bad for it you still go to jail you, yeah you <laughs> can't you can't if you undo say it. i was wrong you know and yeah. everyone forgives you still go to jail yeah, you, you can't, still have to deal with it. Exactly, you can't. You can't. It's, you know, it's like Darth Vader. You can't undo all the wrongs you've done, but you can uh, die doing the right thing, and, and yeah. that's what he did. Which is um, why I always felt I wasn't sure where not killing Kylo. Where do you go? Because the guy's a war criminal. So you have to kill. Him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to have to. Even the New Republic or whatever the remnants of the New Republic are that are trying to reform after the fall of the First Order and everything, someone's going to try the guy, right? He's he's definitely going to go to war crimes trials. So, eh, what happens to him? And, then he gets well, you know, up. How interesting would it be to have him become like a Dark Knight character where he's doing good, but he's in the shadows, and mm-hmm. you know the authorities want to capture him, but he's still doing good. Yeah. You know, it'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. Sort of, but, but again, I think this is one of these things where I, I actually like the parallel to, to, the, to Darth Vader's arc. I didn't have a problem with that. And I think I said in our preview that I think it's the only way they can go, and I don't think that's a bad thing. And I was satisfied mm. with what we got. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Him, him dying a heroic death was fine. Now, as Lupe pointed out, the death was cringe. To me, he, when he, he putting his hand on her stomach and transferring his life force to her could have been executed a lot better. I don't know. For me, I thought it was weird that he – that he put his hand on her stomach. I would have expected, you know, he put his hand on her heart, but I don't know. Maybe they would have thought that was too risque. But feeling um, her up, bro. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. But but that's what he should have done. He should have put his hand on her heart and restarted her heart. Um, and and he, you should have seen the life drain out of him and go into her. And he should have keeled over and died as he was transferring his life to her. And there should have been no happy moment of Raylo kiss followed by him having this weird fainting death, which was cringe. Um. So I think that the execution of that life transfer and death could have been done better, but overall it didn't enjoy my uh, – sorry, it didn't derail my enjoyment of the film. It was just – you look at that scene and think, ugh, they could have done that a little better. But but the actual 
uh, elements of what happened in that scene I was fine with. I just thought the Raylo kiss was a bit of pandering to the Raylos, and apparently they were ticked off anyway. They didn't like what they got. So, yeah, maybe a pander to them for nothing. But, oh, well, what can you do? Uh, anything to add on that one, guys, before I move on to the next question? No. No? Okay. All right. The next one was the Knights of Ren. And I think this one, we kind of got what most of us expected. Uh, I think in some ways we actually kind of hit on this a little bit. Um, but our fears were that you wouldn't get much of the Knights of Ren. And we didn't get much of them. So I guess the question is, did we get enough? Did it, the way they were using this film, did it work for you? Craig, you got exactly what you wanted. One badass fight at the end. Uh, <laughs> Lupe, you, you sort of, uh, asserted that they could be like the Inquisitors, Kylo Ren's Inquisitors, uh, hunting down, uh, mm. the last of the Jedi, in this case, hunting down Ray. And I remember Christian, you saying, well, that would be cool, but what's Ray going to do? Beat 20 of them. <laughs> so, so we weren't too far off. So I guess Christian, over to you. What do you, what, what did you think about what we got? Yeah, um, I, I really had no theories, so I I didn't feel that you could do a 60-second cameo because I just thought that would be slapping people in the face with, hey, hey we got the Knights of Ren, guys. <laughs> you know, and that basically would have been it. So they did something. I I mean, he, being his force, quote-unquote, generals and forcing his will, and that's kind of what we got here, right? They were out in the hunt. They were kind of quasi-inquisitors, in which was pretty interesting. Um, and you're right. I did not want to see Ray just going out there wrecking 20 dudes. I just was like, that that just doesn't make much sense. It was a nice turn to see Kylo being the one doing it. So to me, that was satisfying. Did anybody else, by the way, notice the little Han Solo-esque shrug he yeah. gave them before he started you know, fighting? I thought that was I, really cool. I What's thought up? that was a tribute to The Matrix. Am I, am I wrong? Was did it? Keanu Reeves not do something like that in The Matrix? Lupe, you're The Matrix fan. Did Keanu Reeves not do one of those, like, come on sort of hand motions in, in The Matrix? Am I imagining that? Well, that's a Bruce Lee thing. That's yeah, it, wasn't, Bruce Lee. it wasn't exactly like that. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Uh, okay. That's a callback yeah, to Bruce Lee. That's a Bruce Lee, come on. Oh, yeah, that, Matrix that, does. that felt like Keanu Reeves to me. And I thought, but, am I, I got to go back and check that. No, that I'm just saying that the thing. Matrix got that from Bruce Lee. And this yeah. also from Bruce Lee. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that to me, I, I I thought immediately of the the Han Solo. What you know, like the yeah, Han it is, Solo, it is. is. I think I that's it. what I think that's okay. what they're going for there. Yeah, yeah. Because okay, I, I got Matrix, so maybe you were right. Maybe you got the intention, and I went uh, I went off I went off the rails. No, no, you're fine. I, but I, no, I like, they're huh? trying to make him like Han in that whole when he's redeemed, he's acting like Han, like with the ouch and like just he's yeah, he was Han. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll pass it to the next guy because I I was. Fine with what we got. I the only way now you're going to do justice, quote unquote, if that's the word you want to use, to the Knights of Ren. You got to give me something on Disney Plus, or you're going to have to give me something in the expanded universe. There was no way you were going to jam 60 seconds of the Knights of Ren into this, and there was no way you were going to make them half the movie either. So I think what they did was the best that they could. They were satisfying enough, and like you were saying about Craig, they got a really cool badass fight scene. So, I, I, hey man, what we got is cool enough. All right, yeah. Lupe, thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, they executed it as well as could possibly be. J.J. Um, Abrams never, ever really set them up well or said much about them. Um, and I think Rian Johnson did a decent job, you know, showing that, like, you know, they went to like school together and they all got turned and them serving as inquisitors completely makes sense. I, I might have liked to see a bit more of their personalities. I know we saw them, you know, walking through the halls and somebody talking about them like they're celebrities. <laughs> oh, this was cool. a night trainer. But I'd have liked to see them, um, you know, do a bit more and for their personalities to come out a bit more, for them to speak a bit more, you know, while they're hunting, like, you know, like Ray or, you know, um, other resistance uh, fighters and stuff like that. But I think it was okay. And the, the fight that Kylo had with them, that was mwah, chef's kiss. That was really good. 
All right. <laughs> Craig, 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 Craig I, editing that. I won't add, I won't add much. It said like they gave us what I said was leave leave potential for more. Uh, leave us wanting more from them. And when you look at the visual guide now, there's some really cool stuff about their weapons and their background. They're actually all force sensitive, but they're not. They're not. They don't really have a mastery of it at all. But they all have it a little bit. And they were around before Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren took over as the leader of them. They weren't students of Luke. Um, so it's there's some interesting stuff that's gonna that's coming on the comics. And uh, yeah, we'll probably get more. And uh, yeah, it's kind of too bad they're all gone. We can't see any more of the future. We have to go back to the path. They did yeah. all die, right? I'm pretty sure they died. Yeah, they yeah, did. He chopped they them did. up. Yeah. The few of them got skewered, and I think one went off a cliff. And yeah, they got they got hacked up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I I um I sort of echo those sentiments. I I think we got exactly what we expected. I was hoping for maybe a little more of their backstory, but now that I've seen the movie, I don't know where it would have fit, and that was a concern we had going in. Um, like you mentioned, one of the things about this movie um that I think is a good thing is that it makes me want to go out and buy the visual dictionary. Uh, no. I want to learn more about the details we didn't get in the film. And that was the way I felt about The Force Awakens, too. It gives you just a taste and makes you want want to do more research. Um, and, and so that's something yeah. that's going right in both these films. It I think, yeah, Star Wars more. has always been. Yeah. And that's that's what I loved about The Force Awakens, and that's what I loved even more about this one. And and, and I like The Knights of Ren. And one of the things I said was, I don't need to know everything about them. I don't want to know their personalities. I don't want to know that one's Jim and one's Bob. I don't care about any of that <laughs> stuff. I, I want to know about them as a group in, in high-level terms. Where did they come from? Um, what's their role? Let's see some cool action with them. Keep the mystery, but give me a little bit. And that's pretty much what they did. Uh, and like you said, now there's no future for them. You can only go back. But if the Visual Dictionary has information on them, then great. Uh, I'd like to know that. Um, so, yeah, overall, I was pretty happy with what we got of them. Surprisingly, given that we got so little of them, I was still actually – it, it kind of worked for me. Um, okay, moving on. Now, I know this one, Lupe, you wanted to talk about this one earlier, and I think we're all in agreement on this one. Um Finn, Poe, and Rose. I think they finally got Finn right. Um, so mm-hmm. let's jump into those characters. Um, now each, you know, the, you can't universally say they got all of them right because I think the, the experience with with Rose is very different from what we got with Finn in this one. But let's let's talk about all three. Uh, Christian, thoughts? I'll leave the majority of Finn for Lupe, uh, but I want to say that I think I think. I agree with him that I just he was so much better in this movie and he was no longer just a comedy side character. You know, he was still funny. I liked his bromance with Poe that was going on. But it, it, and, and I liked the little the banter that they had back and forth in this movie. It felt a little more natural, but it was really cool for me to see Finn this time being a fighter in a war, something that he believed in, not just being plucked from his childhood and then being forced into his first battle. And then he's got to kill people and everything. This was something that he truly believed in. He was fighting for his friends. He was fighting for his new family for a cause. I liked Finn in this movie. I I really did. So amen uh, to anybody who liked Finn. I support you guys too. So (laughs) I think Finn was better in that. Poe was, see, I didn't have a problem with Poe throughout any of the three movies. The only thing that Paul and I talked about this before is Poe was almost overpowered. Poe could do nothing wrong. If Poe shot a guy, it was perfectly in the chest. If Poe was piloting something, he was the best pilot that ever existed. You know, no matter what Poe did, he could almost do no wrong. But I actually had nothing wrong with the character, and I felt that he was not sidelined really in The Last Jedi. There were a lot of trust issues and things like that. We don't need to go into Last Jedi again. But I, but I personally didn't necessarily have a problem with Poe 
still, as funny as it sounds, I liked him better in this movie yet again. And maybe it was because finally they had him, like the original trilogy, playing off other characters where he got some of that chemistry. And I liked the chemistry that he had with Finn and with uh, with Ray. And uh, Paul and I, I think, mentioned this once, and I just want to bring it up again. When the hug happened between the three of them at the end and Ray realized that she was home and she was with her family and these two guys are her family as well as everybody else there and she was starting to cry, I felt that. And I felt really good about that because this was the first time in this sequel trilogy that those three, I felt, belonged together and fought as a team with one another and really came together as a family. I'll end it with Rose. I'm a Last Jedi fan who – doesn't hate Rose, but I don't like her. I just don't think her character was ever handled properly. She was kind of forced in. She was a throwaway character in Last Jedi. I never liked the little quasi-relationship that they tried to force with Finn, and she took away a truly heroic moment from Finn. I liked what she was trying to say, but Rose, come on, girl. Like, you just, ugh. She's just a waste of a character to me, and I blame the writers for that. I don't blame the actress. I really don't. And it was so blatant that they tried to sideline her in this, and part of it was because what do they do with her? Right. They kind of wrote her into a corner in the last movie. So it's like, what do you do with her character? Disappointing all around. I just think we didn't need her probably in the last episode, which means we didn't need her in this episode either. So poor the poor actress. I do feel bad for her because I do like her a lot, um, but I don't like Rose. So <laughs> there's how I feel about those three characters. All right. Lupe, this is uh, this is your chance to talk about Finn. Well, um, first thing I'll say is that let me declare my bias. John Boyega is. Uh, Nigerian, and I'm also Nigerian. So I feel a kinship to him, and going into The Force Awakens, I was like, really excited. I was like, that's like my fellow uh, Yoruba tribesman. We're doing it big, you know. There was all this setup, you know, hinting that, you know, he was going to be a Jedi. He was going to have, you know, the Force within him, and there's been an awakening in the Force, and he pops up. There was this whole uh, ESPN special, about lightsabers and it was hosted by him there was a trailer that showed him you know wielding a lightsaber so they really like they really pulled the rug out from under me by doing all that and then in the film he was just a bumbling fumbling failure of a character he was a coward he was a liar he wasn't brave he never had any heroic moments on and on and on and uh, The Last Jedi didn't do anything to redeem him. However, I do want to state that I, I'm i happy that he didn't die in The Last Jedi. So while people say, oh, Rose took away his heroic moment, I'm happy that he didn't die. Because yeah, I would have been, been mad. Upset. I would have been mad. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would have been upset that. if yeah, it was just, I yeah, I really would not have been down with that. So however that played out in anybody's mind, just remember that. Finn would have would have died right there, um, but um, in this one he he's coming to his own and he's such a better character. Um, he's still funny, he's still very charming, still witty, uh, but he is more sure of himself. He's braver, he's bolder, he's down for the cause. He's a character of value to the group. He has ideas and. He is just a good character, and John Boyega is a phenomenal actor. I know I'm a little bit biased, and I like him as a person, but um, go watch him in in uh, Attack the Block first. Then go watch him in K-1. 
Catherine Bigelow's movie Detroit. If you want to see him act dramatically, like no joke, the dude is a phenomenal actor, and I can't wait to see where his career goes from here on out. And I felt like he had been wasted and demeaned in Star Wars so far, and this one <coughs> really um did him justice. So I'm happy about that. As for Poe. I've always been okay with Poe. I know that, you know, people have said that Poe is a little bit of a, you know, Mr. Perfect kind of character, but um, I have never felt he was overpowered because to me, as long as you're not a Jedi or a Sith, you can never be overpowered in Star Wars. Those are the people who hold all the power and who are the, you know, ultimate, you know, warriors and the, the people with mystical magical powers and who just make things happen so i've always found him to be quite a good character someone who's just very skilled usually in ensemble films you have you know people like that they're good with blasters or someone who's like really a really good pilot that kind of thing um i've always i've always liked this character and i feel like this was a continuation he's taking on more of a leadership role in the resistance i thought that that was that was interesting the whole thing of them becoming you know, generals, I thought was, I thought that was good as well. It's a very natural progression, you know, happens to all characters who serve their time in the resistance. In Star Wars, absolutely, yeah. Do you do anything yeah. right, you're going to be a general. I think I think they were. I think they both referred to each other as general. Yeah. It wasn't there a yeah, scene yeah. where Finn, Finn called, uh, called uh, mm-hmm. Poe po called Finn general and, and Finn general, called yeah. Poe general, yeah. yeah. Poe yeah, promoted was- Finn to general at the end. Yeah. That was that was very natural, and I thought that was a good, you know, story. Natural, the Star Wars world. Yeah, yeah. Now coming to Rose. So I, I'm someone who has never felt strongly about Rose, either for her or against her. I've never understood what all the hoopla was about her being a bad character, and all the people who are who you know take up arms to defend her. <laughs> either way, but one of the things I didn't like in this one was how she was side. Excuse me, how she was sidelined. Um, it, it felt it was another of those elements, those jarring elements I felt was pandering to fans and pandering to people who complained. And as I've said, and I'll say again, I hate that kind of storytelling. That's no storytelling. That's making fast food. And it, it's very unnatural. It, it's just weird. And Christian said that, oh, there was nothing for her to do. There was definitely more she could have done. She could have gone on the adventure with them. She could have, like, there's no reason why she couldn't have done the adventure. They sidelined her, had her doing calculations. What the actual F? <laughs> it was so hilarious. And then to see um the 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 way Finn friend zoned her when he put his hand on the shoulder, I was like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. That made oh, sense god, to that, me though. That, that made, that made sense, sense to me too. To me. Yeah, that was exactly what you called for, Craig. You were saying yep. that, that he should have friendzoned Christ. Him. But yeah, How, he had no love interest. But that's in real her life. He, he, yeah, I mean, that's what would happen interested. in real life. He'd friendzoned her. But yeah, right. I agree with you guys on that. Like, I I never wanted them to have a um, a romantic relationship. Everybody knows. Everybody who has a brain and two eyes and ears knows that Finn and Ray are supposed to have a relationship, a romantic relationship. They've always had, you know, that good chemistry, that attraction ever since the force awakens, it was hinted at. Um, and, but obviously JJ Abrams wanted to, you know, please people. So the whole Raylo thing, whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I definitely didn't want him to have a relationship with Rose. Um, but the way that he friend zoned her, 
I feel was just more of pandering to fans who have utter contempt, dislike, hate towards her character. Um, I don't know how I feel about in terms of, you know, the actress herself and Rian Johnson. I saw Rian Johnson put up a post, you know, about, you know, of her at the premiere and had some nice words. <laughs> um, I just, I feel, I feel it's a mess because the whole thing has become so personal. You know, when it's just movie roles. So that's where I stand on those characters. Love Poem Finn. Ray is just hilarious to see. Um, and her, her being sidelined and her being, you know, friend zoned <laughs> part of the problems I have with the film. <laughs> All right. Craig, what do you have to add to, uh, to Lupe's thoughts here? Yeah, I agree with everything you said about Finn. Uh, Poe is way too good <laughs> of a pilot in the <laughs> past. I mean, he could fire. There's four laser cannons on an X-wing. He could fire. They all point straight in the same direction. But somehow, when he shoots them, he can shoot Tie Fighters in four different directions, and they all direct hit. So yeah. Well, on. in our preview, <laughs> I talked about that scene where he swooped in when they were at Maz Kanata's hut. Yeah. He takes he, out he three ties and like two people on the ground with precise shots in one loop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it was like he took out the entire fleet of Tie Fighters in one swipe. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So yes, he's overpowered, but. Regardless, he was yeah, he was really good. I love the the charisma of him and Finn, and uh, I love the camaraderie, the chemistry between the three of them with Ray as well. Fantastic. And Rose, I agree, like it was unnecessary to sideline her like that. That that is that's that's odd. It was she was forced into the Last Jedi. I don't I don't like what they did with her in the Last Jedi. That story, that whole story with them was unnecessary. So you're left in a tough spot with her. But, yeah, you can still include her more in this movie. She could have been, Paul, the guy that you don't like um, from Lost, like one of J.J.'s boys there. Who oh, just drops, yeah. That drops could have been Rose. cheesy lines of exposition, yeah. The whole he doesn't need maneuver. to be there. It's, it's a one in a million chance. That, like, why add somebody <laughs> new when Rose could just be saying those lines? Rose could be, like, they brought her back at the end at least. But she could have been a bigger part, even if she's not on the adventure. Just a bigger role. It, it it does seem a little odd, and and I hope they're not doing that because of fans, which they probably are. Which I don't, I don't, I didn't like that. Um, again, they were left in a tough situation, but they could have done better with that. And uh, yeah, I really like that. You know, the force sensitive seed was planted with Finn in the beginning, and uh, they brought it home in this one, and I that was satisfying for me. And I like Lupe said, they still they, he was still able to use his his uh, comedic chops. But make it made it more serious. It all just worked well. I like. I really enjoyed the three of them together. Um, Finn and him were were really uh, sorry. Poe and Finn were really funny together, uh, in a good way, not a cheesy, ridiculous way. So I really enjoyed it. How about you, Paul? You're the one yeah. who um who doesn't like the cheesy stuff and like this. Yeah. This could possibly go wrong the most for you. So it'd be interesting to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So surprisingly, I was not bothered by the banter. It actually worked for me. The camaraderie and the that normally feels so forced um, actually worked. I liked it. It was fine. Um, I really liked what they did with Finn in this movie. And, and I think um, Christian and Lupe touched on it first in, in that he wasn't a jester. He wasn't a coward. He wasn't going from buffoon who bumbles into some act of her heroism um, and, and comedic relief. He was, he was a legitimate, useful character uh, that served a purpose. And I, I liked him in this. This is what I wish we had for the first three movies. Um, so I really liked what they did with Finn. I don't know if there's anything more to add to it. Uh, Poe, um, I definitely thought he was too good and too, too, uh, cliche, uh, 
yeah. cocky hothead that can't do anything wrong has to be put in place by his whole by had to be put in place by Holdo in the second movie. It was just pure cliche cringe. This movie, he he kind of he he failed and he had knew he failed uh, at the end. And um, uh, when he sort of said, you know what, I I'm sorry, I, we I was wrong, we lost. Uh, I don't know if those are exact words, but you, I think you guys know the scene I'm talking about at the end when he thought that uh, right before all the legions of, of um, mm-hmm. rebel ships came. Yeah, he felt responsible yeah. that they were yeah. going to lose, that he brought everybody there getting killed. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And I liked his flirtation with uh, Zori Bliss and how she was kind of rejecting him constantly. I thought that kind of worked. Uh, and that could have been cheesy, too. And I, I thought they actually pulled that off without being too overly cheesy. I mean, it touched on a little bit of cheesiness, but it worked. And how about um, when, so he I, turned I, on the, when he turned on the flashlight like we did when we were kids for lightsabers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like kind of a, a dick joke, too. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. He couldn't quite measure up to raise a big, big, big raging light. Uh, so, yeah, no, I thought that whole thing, uh, that whole thing worked. It was great. And Rose, I thought we got exactly how much of Rose we needed in this film. And that's not to say that the <laughs> sidelining was a good thing. I just think we got no, way too much of Rose shoehorned in in the last yeah. one. And I thought this was about the right amount of Rose. This was about the the role that that type of character should have had. Um, you know, a step above that Dominic Monaghan's role, which was utterly pointless and useless. There was one, there was one other guy, the big, uh, the big TIE fighter pilot. I don't know where he came from or why he got such a role, but he was kind of cringe too. Um, you mean the, the other X-Wing, guy. X-Wing pilot? Or sorry, X-Wing guy, yeah. Snap. That, well, he's but, part of JJ, he's in every JJ movie. Oh, is that what he he's is? He's got, yep. he's got a lot of story yep. in the, uh, in the novels. He's oh, got he a was, big backstory in the novels. And he was cringe. With the, uh, can you try to be more optimistic? Oh, everything's super. It's great. Just like his best ever. You're like, oh, that's cringe. But, you know, there, there's a few throwaway cringe lines um, that, you know, I could have done without. But overall, great. I, I thought Finn and Poe were perfect for this movie. And Rose, we got just as much Rose as we needed. So, great. Um Next, Lando and cameos from extended universe characters. So I think we got about exactly what we thought we'd get from Lando. I guess the question is, did did it work for you? You guys thought it would all be fan service, and I said you can do both. And I think it, I was right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. It was both. It was both. And um, and then extended universe. We talked briefly about Ahsoka, and apparently we got a little bit of Ahsoka's voice in there. That's one of the voices I'd need to listen a couple more times to pick out exactly which one was Ahsoka. Um, and we got a bunch of the other cameos from jedis in that you know in, in that end scene so uh christian i guess briefly thoughts on lamio uh, lamio uh, lando and Lamia. cameos from Lamia. lando and uh, cameos from other extended universe characters I, th- I think uh you know craig said it i i was so scared that uh lando was going to just be pure fan service and as it turned out he he wasn't and i thought that was cool you know he actually one of the things i liked the most about him is that he gave Chewbacca somebody a legacy piece of his family to lean on again, uh, and that was cool too because it, it strengthened Chewbacca's character a little bit. And Lando could have been handled a much worse way, and I and I like the way they handled him. Anybody else love seeing Wedge? By the way, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was so cool to see him come I, back. And go ahead. I gotta tell you guys, I've never understood the Wedge fandom. I don't get it. I, I've never well, have. Been, but it was just he's cool. the only guy. He's the only other guy who survived the first Death Star attack. That's why. Yeah. So what? 
<laughs> I know I know people like Wedge, but I just couldn't care less about Wedge. <laughs> anyway, go on, Christian. No, it's cool. And then, and then you're right. I think in terms of extended universe, really, the majority of the stuff that you heard was at the end when the Jedi were talking to her, and I heard Ahsoka's voice call her name, said Ray. Um, there were a couple of other person people like Sakura said, "Let it guide you." I think Ahsoka said, "As it guided us," I believe she said that. Definitely heard Mace Window Windu. And you heard a little Samuel Jackson say, feel the force flowing through you, uh, things like that. So that was where you got the majority of the extended universe. Yeah, Kanan was in there, too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Addy Gallia was I, in you, there. You know what? I'll let you guys expand on that. But I, I, I don't – I'll just end it by saying I don't know how much more – there was so much nostalgia and stuff jammed into this movie as it was. How much more from the expanded universe could they have slapped in there without it just being pure fan service? Uh, so probably what they did was the best that they could do without it going off the reservation. Uh, and, and it was really nice to hear some of those voices. It really was. So I, I'm interested in seeing what you guys, how you want to expand on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree with you, Christian. I don't have a lot to add to that. But Lupe, do you have anything to, to add? I mean, what are your thoughts on Lando in this one? You uh, uh, you thought he was yeah, a creepy old man that needed to let it go, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I still think the same about him. Like, <laughs> dude, give it up, man. <laughs> like, just give, give it up. There was a there was a particular line. Um, He was speaking to – I can't remember the name of the black girl. Um, Oh, that who, was creepy at the end. Let's, yeah, well, let's, well, let's, well, let's like, find out. You know what? That is you guys putting your own creep factor. I know. No, I, I no, no man, that you. was creepy. Was, I, 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 man, I, I picked up on daughter vibe there. Wow, you guys so did I. creeped it out. Uh, so oh, I thought you creeped it out. No. You guys, that's your own personalities creeping no, in there. No, I don't no, worry no, about no, that, Frank. I am worried. No, I know. The first time I thought, is that a daughter vibe? I wasn't sure. And then I heard people call it a creep online, and then I made a point of watching for it in the next two showings, and it, it was creepy. It was a little nah. weird. It, was, it, it wasn't was full creep, but there was there was a little bit of creep to it. It was it was yeah, not. There's so many other characters, and there's so many other. Why it was just it was well, like Lando. Come on, Lando. Well, I come on, Lando. We'll works to, every time. Yeah, it's because he's got so <laughs> much charisma. So much charisma. But I think he's just oozing so much creep. He just can't shut it off. But what what happened? What happened was that they edited out the fact that they they insinuated that he was a daughter, and that was edited out of the movie. So it didn't make any sense when they put that back yeah, in there. Yeah, that, that's the problem. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They just it didn't fit anymore with whatever they. Cut. But I still didn't feel the creep factor. Let me mm-hmm. let me state put that on record. I didn't <laughs> you're biased. That. You're biased. It was pure. No, creep you again. you're biased because you guys are creepers yourselves. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, uh, as I said, I'm not the biggest Lando fan in the first place, so he didn't bother me too much to be to be honest. I I didn't think anything of his presence or lack thereof. Um, in terms of extended universe stuff, they didn't add too much. Um, I, I did think that it was very. I liked the presence of a holocron, and I really don't understand why they kept on calling it a wayfinder. That kept on throwing me off because I was like, yeah, I don't care sure. what you see. That's a holocron. Yeah, and that, you can just you can just quickly explain what a holocron is because there are characters who who wouldn't know what a holocron is. You, you know what, Lupe? Yeah, I ahead. thought about it. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think the only rationale I can come up for that is they had to make it so there was only two of them, and there's a lot more than two holocrons out there. So if you if you have to have only two of these things to 
fit the plot of this film. Maybe that's why they made it a Wayfinder, not a Holocron. But that bugged me. That bugged me in the first showing, and I think will always bug me because it will always make me wonder what the original story was, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I just can't believe that that was the original story, that they were going to come up with a Wayfinder that looks exactly like a Holocron. It's it's weird because even if you want to say there's only two of them, they're different. Holocron is like a hard drive, right? It's like a a different type, typical powers or whatever. So you can't say there's only two of this particular holocron, right? Yeah, I thought the same thing. You know, it's just that was weird because that's extended universe stuff that I think is really essential for them to start bringing into the main storyline, and they just fumbled. Maybe just so oh, people people won't understand what it is. So let's call a wayfinder. What? Why? Mm -hmm. So yeah. that was that was a bit of a bother. Hopefully, you know, in the future they bring in holocrons and they call them what they are. They didn't add too much stuff, or apart from as as you know, Kristen went over the voices, and you guys are going to go more into it. I couldn't discern the voices apart from Anakin was the only one. Luke, obviously, Leia, um, those were the only ones that I could discern. And um, I, I'm happy that they didn't go too far because as it was, it's it's a very full movie. I don't think it's bloated. I don't think so. I think it's very full, <laughs> and um, so I'm okay with 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 the amount of extended universe stuff that we got. Craig, anything to add? Yeah, so I liked how they brought like Lando made the difference this time when so last time they in the last Jedi they put out the call and nobody answered. This time Lando went and did it, and his charisma brought it home. So he's the guy who convinced everyone to came come. So his, he was a big his part creep of factor of the war. Hey, call what you want. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, I like I like the way that you Lando. And like I said, he would be like a wise elder that's seen it all before and would give advice. And he gave advice to Poe when he was down. I thought that was great. The line that, you know, Poe asked him, like, how did you guys do it? And, you know, and he came out and he's, you know, we we didn't know what we were doing either. We were just we did it together. Um, that was good. And, and the voices, I only caught a few of them during the movie. Like Qui-Gon stood out. Uh, obviously, Obi-Wan. And you could you could hear the uh, Ewan McGregor and. Um, uh, Sir Al Gillen, Alec Guinness. Um, they use that same line that they use in The Force Awakens, where where he says, "Ray, take your first steps." Yeah, mm-hmm. I, um, I actually I love that callback. These are your first steps, Ray. These are your first steps. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah, and then I heard I didn't notice like I see now that Ayla Secure was in there. I heard Mace Windu, but there's some other ones like Addy Gallia I wouldn't have recognized. Oh, yeah. How would you? Kanan, I didn't yeah. know which voice necessarily was his, but he was in there. Anakin obviously stood out. I think he I think he even had a couple lines in there. And then Luke at the end with, of course, with the, you know, the force will always be with you. And Yoda, Yoda was in there too. So, um, yeah. And the Wayfinder thing. Yeah. The Wayfinder thing was a bit odd. I, I didn't, I even blocked it out as it was going. I'm like, oh, that's a holocron. I didn't even listen to them calling it a Wayfinder because I'm like, well, oh, I guess it's a Wayfinder holocron. Okay, that's what you on. told me right after the movie. I'm like, I don't think they said that. I think that's your head cannon. But I mean, it works. It allows you to suspend disbelief. Or yeah. I just saw it. not to get too outraged about it. Yeah. Regardless it's, it's clearly a holocron. Like, that's okay. a holocron. I mean, it's clearly a holocron. So. Yeah. Okay. Move on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. so. Anything else to add on Lando, Craig? Uh, no, no, was, no okay. I like so, it. So I'll just sum up, sum up as much as I joke about it. it uh, I actually thought he was well done in this film. We got just the right amount of Lando. Yeah, there was some fan service, but I liked it. I liked seeing him again. He served uh, Chewbacca, as you pointed out, Christian. Uh, he served Poe's storyline. He brought the used his charisma to bring back the fleet. Uh, I thought it was great. So 
I was happy with Lando. Creep factor aside, I thought that was pretty good. And uh, and those voices, I mean, I don't know how anyone knows who those voices are unless you've got a recording and can sit there and listen to them over and over again. There's a handful that you obviously recognize, but the more obscure ones, I mean, I'll wait for it to come out in Blu-ray and then see if I can notice it because, uh, I mean, I, after three watchings, I still couldn't pick out all the voices. But it was, mm. I think it was about the best they could have done given this, the, um, all they had to do in this film. And as, as you guys pointed out, anything more would have been too much. So, so I think they're right. I, uh, I texted a buddy while we were talking about a half hour ago, and uh, he sent me a list of the voices. I'm going to send it to you guys after the pod. Sounds I got a list good. of yeah, all the voices. It's, it's awesome when you look at it. Awesome. Well, you know, I, I saw one of those lists briefly, but I, could I have picked those out myself without a list? Probably. Yeah, yeah no. Five. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so, so someone somehow either watched it a lot of times or just really in, too deep <laughs> in Star Wars, right? Yeah, Luminara uh, is one of the other ones in there too. Luminara, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the only one I didn't mention. Yeah, Ahsoka. Well, she was, she Ahsoka's in there. Wars. Yeah, and who's the Ali Gaddy? Was she Clone Wars too? I mean, I remember the name. I yeah. just can't even remember where she's from. Yeah, and Alien Secura was Clone Wars. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, you know, and lastly, about the on top of the Wayfinders and Holocrons, and we'll get to this in a second again, possibly. The other thing I thought was really shoehorned in here and out of place and spoke to something that was changed in the process was that dagger. I mean, and, and she even had a line like when I watched it, when I watched it the third time and she pulled that dagger out and she held it up to the contour of the sunk Death Star, which is, I mean, a whole whole world of ridiculous already. She somehow she recited something to herself about like the dagger, something about the dagger that as far as I know, wasn't said earlier in the film. It was like a reference to something she'd learned earlier in the fi- film that was cut out of the version we saw. And uh, and it just seems such an odd thing. And. And originally I thought, well, maybe that must have been the dagger of Mortis uh, originally, and they repurposed it. But now I watched part of those Mortis episodes again last night, and I don't think that's the dagger of Mortis. I don't know what that is, but I just can't believe that that was what they originally intended for that and that they showed us everything that they intended to because it just it just felt odd and out of place. So some weird stuff that maybe maybe could have been tied to Extended Universe, Dagger of Mortis, but now I'm less less convinced now, <clears throat> let's say 24 hours ago before rewatching those uh, Mortis episodes. So moving on, uh, lastly, before we jump into these these Reddit rumors that have popped up about extended cuts and alternate versions, is there anything else about this film that jumped out at you guys that we haven't discussed or that really surprised you that we didn't anticipate going in? Um, so Christian, anything anything to you that you, you need to sort of speak on before we move on? No, <clears throat> nothing major. I, I think I was surprised that I liked it as much as I did, considering that I am also a fan of Last Jedi. But as I said at the beginning, I'm probably not the right fan to ask because I just, you know, I drink Star Wars from a fire hose and I just love it. But uh, I think I was personally surprised at the two or three times that it touched me in the heart and made me, you know, I didn't cry, but like I was like, oh, you know, did that. And with Leia being one, uh, Ray, you know, coming back to her family, you know, at the end, uh, Han Solo showing up to his son. Uh, there were a couple of moments that I did not expect to feel the way I felt, considering how fast paced and how insane the movie was from beginning to end. Um, and they were missing some of those little character moments. The fact that they were still able to get me does say something that the movie was not a bad movie. Um, and it was still a good Star Wars movie. I like this trilogy overall. I'm still getting this thing when it comes out on Blu-ray. I, uh, like I said, it was just, I think I was surprised at really just being touched in the heart by a couple of those moments because I didn't expect it. All right. Lupe, anything to add? Um, no, no. Uh, it pretty much went exactly how i expected it to being that i know jj from his track record and the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior um so no surprises here it played out exactly like i thought it would and um 
Yeah, that's it. All right, Craig? Well, I think there's something special about this film in that I don't know if you guys know how, how bad it has gotten for Paul. He's been on the edge of the dark side. He's been on the brink for a while with Disney and his relationship with Star Wars. And this movie has fully brought him back. I don't know if this will wear off, but yeah. it's something special that wow. he's come full circle around. He was really – it was in a bad way, I think, after The Last Jedi. And <laughs> he was already leaning that way even with The Force Awakens. There was a lot – it's the most criti- critical I've seen him after a Star Wars movie. And he was going in a bad direction. Then The Last Jedi took him even further, and now this has taught, brought him right back. So – regardless of how you feel, whether you like this or not, it, there's something special about if it could bring him back the way it did. And uh, I, myself, you know, again, I really enjoyed it. I see there's all kinds of things to pick on in this movie if you want to. It's it's back to the thing that if you like something, you tend to defend it. And when you don't, you tend to pick it apart. And there's just so much to pick apart. So I completely get that that can distract people so much from the fun that this is. But it's really enjoyable um it has a lot of little easter eggs i mean me and my brother have been watching finding our own easter eggs since we were little kids in empire strikes back and all those movies like there's a part in empire strikes back where luke jumps off where he's fighting vader um and you can see him bounce on a trampoline and they left that in other edits and i think finally it's out but we used to find those things like the stormtrooper bumping his head in, uh, in a new hope so we love these little details and, and JJ's good at putting those in and the Mandalorian's good at that too. So there's a lot of good things that this Disney world has given us. There's a lot of bad. It's all, you know, thrown together and you can tell they're really doing it to make people happy and try to make the most money. But that's the way all these businesses operate. It's some people just conceal it better than others. So I'm getting long winded. So I've said my piece, but all in all, it's, it's enjoyable and it, it has brought some, some love back for me as well. Um, it's always been there. So I was hoping it would, and, and I think it did a good job of that. Yeah, well, you're you're not wrong. This did bring my love back. But you know what? What what really brought my love for Star Wars back was was you recommending to me the Darth Bane trilogy, and and listening to that trilogy on audiobook, and then starting the Plagueis novel, and then and then when I saw that trailer, um, that last trailer where we saw Kylo, um, yeah, got me go that. go into the Sith Temple. That was like flicking a switch for me, and I was like, wow, yeah, I'm, I'm like. I'm suddenly excited about Star Wars again. And then when I went into this movie and it started with that scene, I, I just thought, oh, my God, this is great. This is the Star Wars I love. And I just kept waiting for it to suck. And 20 minutes in, it didn't suck. And 30 minutes in, it still didn't suck. And and by halfway through, I thought, oh, my God, they're, they're going to do it. They're going to actually make a movie that I enjoy again. And that's what I got from this. I love this movie. Um, you know, flawed, maybe. Uh, rushed, certainly, but I love yeah. the pacing of it. This was a fun, fast-paced adventure that you don't want to step away from for a minute. I, I loved it. Um, you know, predictable, maybe. Um, certainly predictable in some ways. But uh, there's a few things that surprised me that they did a little differently than I expected. And that Han Solo scene was a, was a huge surprise winner for me. And I'm so glad I didn't get that spoiled for me. So uh, I loved it. Brought the Star Wars magic back for me, and uh, and I'll leave it at that. Now, now that said, as much as I love this movie, uh, there's been some rumors that came out recently uh, from a supposed Lucasfilm insider. Now, this is totally unsubstantiated. We're totally in uh, unsubstantiated rumor territory. We don't have anything from uh, from JJ to back this up. Um, you know, there's been a couple cast members that have said, uh, "Yeah, there's a lot left on the cutting room floor. I hope we get to see it." That was that Monahan guy, uh, the editor of the film alluded to the fact that they cut out a lot of parts, um, you know, to, I guess to tweak the flow, uh, maybe for better, maybe for worse. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll try and summarize these rumors that have come out since the film release. So it started with rumors of as many as four different versions of the film. 
possibly as many as six different endings of the film. We heard rumors of a possible J.J. Uh, Abrams, George Lucas version of the film uh, that in its early stages would have had a, a Matt Smith portray a character from the Clone Wars called the Son of Mortis, and he would have been the main villain of the film with Palpatine still in it, but more of a uh, – um, I guess a, a side or supporting role. Now, looking back at the timeline very briefly, uh, principal photography for this one started August 1st, 2018 and went through February 15th, 2019. By March of 2019, Matt Smith, had, in an interview with the LA Times, said, as far as I know, I'm not in it, which uh, obviously implies that he was filmed, but uh, but led to believe that already at that point, back in March, that his character had been axed from the film. And there were talk about major reshoots, uh, dissatisfaction with the version of the film that was uh, originally filmed by J.J. with or without input from Lucas, depending on whether or not you believe that that rumor. So uh, long story short, uh, the, the supposed culprit is that Bob Iger feared that audiences wouldn't be familiar with the character from The Clone Wars and thought it wasn't mainstream enough and sent the uh, – I guess the command down to dumb it down and simplify it and streamline it for the mainstream audience, which, you know, there are signs that maybe that happened with, you know, again, with the wayfinders and possibly with the dagger and, and who knows what else was potentially cut from this film. So so long story short, um, after all these reshoots and, and uh, studio mandated alterations, there was supposedly a cut of the film that clocked in at three hours and two minutes in November of 2019. Um where they explain more about how the emperor is being, uh, how the emperor was alive. They have an extended version of the Mustafar scene with Kylo's blurred vision and hearing Vader's breathing. Apparently, the light speed skipping, which was clearly fabricated, clearly made entirely to be translated to Star Tours or Smuggler's Run, and Craig will get to that in a second, uh, was longer and featured additional scenes in Naboo, Kashyyyk, and Kamino. Supposedly, Rose Tico had a more meaningful character arc where she had more scenes with Rey. Uh, there was a longer Kylo death scene. Apparently, Abrams didn't want the Raylo kiss, but it was edited in. Um, so all those elements and then probably more. I mean, if you're cutting 40 minutes out of the film, there's probably more that we're, we're missing there. Uh, now, in December 9, 2019, there was apparently a two-hour, 37-minute version of the film, which is 15 minutes longer than what we got in theaters. And apparently, that's the version that J.J. reluctantly approved and endorsed as his version of the film. And if you believe the rumors... He was supposedly blindsided when the theatrical cut that was shown at the premiere was two hours and 22 minutes. So I guess the question to you guys is, A, uh, given that these are sort of unsubstantiated, do you believe these rumors? Uh, two, does it seem plausible to you, even if you know you don't necessarily believe the credibility of the rumor? And, and three, is this something you'd like to see? If there was an extended version, do you think that would make this film better? So, Christian, um, I'll start with you. What do you think? Uh, I, I take this stuff, especially when stuff comes from Reddit with a massive grain of salt, massive grain of salt. Now, that being said, does it sound plausible and possible? <laughs> yeah. Uh, with everything we know about the studio system, uh, I know Disney is the big bad right now and there's, a, and because they're the evil empire, uh, you're going to pick on them first, but Warner brothers does it. Paramount does it. Studios have been doing this since movies have existed. It's gotten worse in many recent years. However, with the advent of social media, we now have the ability for leakers and people who are dissatisfied, things like that to get the word out. And then people like us, the fans, we can make a voice as to whether or not we actually want to see this stuff. I think many of us forget as fans that there are many cuts of movies that exist. This happens during the production process. A lot of times you get that original cut. It's not even what the director wanted necessarily. Reshoots are sometimes planned. 
They get worked into the production. I think sometimes people forget about that as well. And by the way, I got to point out that sometimes reshoots work. Rogue One apparently is a better movie because of the reshoots and because of what they did. What we read previously is to is to you know whether it's true or not again you got to take some of that with a grain of salt as well i'm not always a fan of these alternate cuts however aliens blade runner apocalypse now they're all those are all examples of director's cuts that have come out that are better than the theatrical cut of the movie so uh, look disney's not known for releasing these director's cuts that's just not what they do they don't look backwards like that they turn around and say the cut of, is what you got screw it this is it so it would be up to the fans to really push for this to see if they want to hear more about it, if they want to hear more from J.J., if they want to hear more from the production team. I'll leave it out there. If there is that three-hour cut out there that they would want to put together, if it's assembled or if they want to actually spend some money and turn it into a director's cut, I 100% would watch it. It's Star Wars. Give it, give me, give me, give me, give me. So I'll take it. However, at the same time, I still want to take this stuff with a grain of salt until we hear a little bit more. An actor saying there's all this stuff that was cut, and I, you know, it wasn't in the movie. That doesn't necessarily mean that was was their intention. You know what I'm saying? Because all these cuts kind of happen throughout the flow of the production. So, yeah, definitely interesting. I want to hear more about this though before I start pushing forward and saying, you know, release the JJ cut. Fair enough, Chris uh, Lupe. What are your What are your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> so with the hashtag release the JJ cut, obviously, uh, very overt uh, comparisons and parallels to release the Snyder cut. I think there's there two completely different things going on here. Regardless of what you say of studio interference or whatever, um, Zack Snyder's situation is one of the most unique. I mean, we're talking of a director being completely shooed off his own movie. The most similar thing that we can compare that to be Richard Donner, because WB also did the same thing with replacing him with a new director. <laughs> In terms of the rumors, I feel some of them might be true, some of them sound plausible, some of them sound far-fetched, because it sounds like all of these are like, oh, every single complaint you've heard out there, there is a solution to it. Yep. It yep. sounds a little bit too good to be true, a little bit too fortuitous. So while I do believe that there is more footage of the cutting floor and there is more stuff out there that could make the movie maybe even significantly different, you know, with different endings and stuff like that. Um, I don't think it's as that's my, my, you know, supposition at this time. Um, I'm assuming that there isn't as much at the same time. I'm not wrong to assume because nobody has any evidence, you know, any concrete evidence. It's not like, you know, we have trailers that have missing footage. We have a director that's gone. We're just basically going off rumors and speculation. Um, and so that's where I stand in terms of, oh, Star Wars fans and anybody who wants to see it, yeah, go ahead and campaign for it. If you want to see it, yeah. I'm not super interested in seeing it. It's not, if it comes out, I probably wouldn't see it, to be honest. I just, there's just nothing about it that appeals to me. I'm probably not even going to watch this Star Wars movie ever again in my lifetime. So <laughs> there you go. But more All power right. to people who are campaigning and hashtagging. Do your thing and, you know, good luck. It's no, just like with the Snyder Cut campaign, I don't understand people who who argue against against uh, material. Like if it comes out, so what? If you don't want to watch it, then you're not forced to watch it. You don't have to. So let people who you know want it to come out, let them go ahead and and you know get at it. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you want it, fight for it. If you don't want it, just don't bother. That's it. Fair enough. Craig, anything to add? Yeah. Well, a quick note about the Snyder Cut. I've never understood the hate that people have for people wanting something so badly. Like, good good for anyone that has that much passion that wants to support a director and his artistic vision. It doesn't make any sense why people hate on that in any way. It makes no sense whatsoever. So moving on from that, I know if uh, I know what social media gives us today is this look behind the curtain that we never had. I mean, these reshoots and people getting fired and moved and changed and scenes being changed. And, you know, it happens all the time. And uh, this is nothing new. Um, We just get to hear about it now. And we're actually following along the whole time. It doesn't just come out after the fact. There's people that talk about this through the whole process. So it's just a different world we live in. And, uh, you know, we shouldn't pretend that it's so different than the past. You know, the, the history does repeat itself. It's it, this kind of thing is not new. And so it is very plausible that there are different versions, especially endings. They've always done in Star Wars movies, like film different things, even to throw the cast off from saying the wrong things, like how they had uh, David Prowse, who was the actor in the Darth Vader suit. He said, Obi-Wan is your father. And nobody knew except for Luke, uh, Mark Hamill, that the line was actually going to be. I'm your father. So they've always put these things out there as misdirects in case someone is going to leak information. So it doesn't surprise me that six different endings. Plus, Disney is testing multiple versions as they go, saying, oh, showing it to people. Do you like this? Do you don't like this? And changing it on the fly. And, you know, you know, good or bad, that's the way they, they like to do things. They really like to get fan feedback because um, they want to get a sure win. Um, that's the way they do things. So unfortunately it can affect the integrity of a film and the and the director's vision and yes if there are some changes i would like i would love to see it because like christian alluded to like more star wars give it to me i love it and uh i would love to see a version that has you know and it and and you guys made a good point it's giving us all the things that we're complaining about so like yeah maybe that's not real maybe that's a good reason why it's not really real um it's too good to be true uh, oh we didn't get vader oh yeah that's in there <laughs> that's there you didn't get to see the force go oh that was in there but uh yeah if it's if they sh- if those were shot i would love to see it especially the mustafar stuff especially if there were the force ghosts at the end anything more explaining palpatine it, it would all be great i would love to see a longer version um i would watch it for sure paul yeah no i um so I loved I love this movie. I will be buying the Blu-ray. Um, I would gladly buy an extended cut, and if they release it at separate times, I'll probably buy both because I'll buy the theatrical cut when it comes out, and if they want to double dip and put out an extended cut later, I'll buy that too. Now, that being said, I don't think we're going to see anything like the J.J. Lucas version. So with the Snyder Cut, we're looking for a completely different version of the film that was filmed by a different director, the, the original director on the film. Uh, we're not going to get that here, I don't think. If you look at, if you, even if you believe that there was a J.J. Lucas version that had Matt Smith as the son of Mortis, which to me seems like probably the least credible of all these rumors, um, Matt Smith apparently was out of this movie by March, so they didn't get far into post-production. Yeah. So I, we're not, we're not going to yeah. see that. We're not going to see this yeah. film. So what we're really talking about here is an extended cut. Uh, which it's it's not unusual. I mean, I remember talking to you, Craig, about the the Force Awakens, hoping we'd get an extended cut because there was elements in the novelization and other sources that didn't appear in the movie. Uh, one of them being uh, what's his name getting his arms ripped off by Chewbacca. Right. Um, so there was little things that were apparently in the film that got cut, and 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 to the point that Christian, you made this is not unusual. Um, these kind of trimming down to help the flow to get it under two and a half hours, whatever their motivations might be, dumb it down for the general audience. 
Um, all that being said, uh, I would like to see the 15-minute longer version. If there was a two-hour, 37-minute version that J.J. endorsed as his cut, I'd want to see that. 15 more minutes, I think, could have helped this movie. Now, it depends what that 15 minutes is. If it's the Mustafar stuff, absolutely. If it's the Emperor explanation of Palpatine, absolutely. Uh, Dominic Monaghan said uh, that there was lots of his scenes left on the cutting room floor. Well, with good reason. If that's what you were bringing to the film, <laughs> leave it there. Maybe it made it make more floor. sense, though, but maybe yeah. he made more sense when uh, he was in it for more. No. <laughs> well, well, the funny thing is that that cringy line of his, I mean, if there really was an explanation about how Palpatine survived, you that cringy that. line of his was probably shoehorned in late right, to make right. up for the fact that they cut the other stuff out, True. which might explain why it's so cringy and out of place. So so I tend to believe there might be a slightly longer cut, and I would absolutely be interested in seeing that, and I would pay pay again, you know, pay buy a second Blu-ray to see the extended cut if that's what it comes to. But as Christian pointed out, Disney doesn't do extended cuts and director's cuts typically. That's not really their thing. So yeah, it's not their MO. This is not. It's not. Now the Star Wars fan base is a is a huge fan base. Um, and you'd think there's a lot of purchasing power there. Um, but most of the most vocal complainers are still complaining. So, I mean, I know I was won over by this film. I hope others were as well. But it seems like the uh, the majority of the, the fandom menace is, is still hating on Disney and not won over by this film. So, uh, and, and a lot of the Raylo crowd, the TLJ crowd, is pretty upset by this film. So, Well, there's a uh, lot to be said about, you know, hate is also something they can monetize. So yep. not Disney, but I mean the people like the fandom menace exists for a reason. You know what yep. I mean? Like there there are members of it, of course, that want something different and they they are upset with what they got. Of course, of course. I don't want to ever belittle that. But there are people, very vocal voices that they know exactly what they're doing and you can't suddenly turn. How could you do that? You know what I mean? They have to continue what they've been doing. They have to. So, yeah, yeah. the YouTubers. And that. Yeah, they have to. They can't just stop. Not all of them, but some, yeah. <laughs> no. So long story short, if we get more Emperor, more Darth Vader, more Sith, I'm all for the extended cut. If we're getting more Rebels bantering and more uh, X-Wing fighter pilots with Snark and more Rose Tico, then leave that on the cutting room floor. Keep it fast-paced, flowing quickly. So I'd absolutely be curious in seeing it. I think it might make the movie better, but it also may have been cut for a reason. So, hey, if they want to release a a director's cut, if, if J.J. has a different cut, I'd absolutely be interested in seeing it, but... Uh, we're not going to get this totally different version that uh, that supposedly was uh, uh, envisioned by J.J. and Lucas, if you believe. OK, so coming up on the, uh, you know, the, the conclusion of this episode, um, last question about this film uh, specifically is, is this really the end of the Skywalker saga? I think it was left in a way that it could be picked up at a later date. So do we think we'll see more of these characters? And um, I know some of the cast is sort of express their uh, their glee to be rid of Disney in this franchise. Uh, but do we think that we'll ever see them come back? Do we see the, we think we'll see more of these characters, specifically Ray, but maybe a Finn uh, and Poe still out there? So, Christian, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> Money talks, right? Uh, I guess it all depends on how much the mouse throws at them. But uh, I think it is the end. It probably depends on what the definition of the Skywalker saga is, but I think this is it. And I do think we'll see Ray. Ray is kind of a quasi Disney princess now, uh, and I and I think that if they can convince Disney Daisy Ridley uh, to come back, which I'm pretty sure because she seemed to be the one out of the whole cast that's much more open to it, so I think we'll see her more in the future. Not not sure yet about Finn or Poe or the rest of them, but yeah, I think for the foreseeable future, this probably is the end of the nine movie Star Wars saga, uh, Skywalker saga. This is it for them. 
And now it's time to concentrate on other things. The next stuff that's coming up on Disney Plus does not concentrate on the Sky Skywalkers. They could absolutely make an appearance. And if the rumors are to be true, it looks like we're going backwards into the Old Republic for the next group of movies. The Skywalkers is 400 years before they're born. So that's probably where we're going to go. But is it the last time you see the characters? Eh, there's money to be made. I don't think so, but it might be the last time we see Luke, Leia, the rest of them. This is this is it for them, I think. All right, Lupe. Um, <clears throat> I'd say the same. Definitely like Ray. I want to see Ray again. I think that with Disney, uh, the company that Disney is, the the pull and the 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 leer of the dollar, because we know to them they worship the almighty dollar. It's going to be too much for them. We're going to see these characters again, every single one of them, in some shape, some form, whether it's as a force ghost or whether it's in a movie. This is not going to be the last that we see of them. That's just that's it. And I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be close off to it. I just don't like Disney as storytellers. I just think that they're just they're just really bad storytellers. And that's what the trilogy has reaffirmed to me. All right, Craig. Yeah, I'd be happy with seeing more of these characters. So yeah, I'm I'm not I can't make a prediction whether to do it or not. A lot of the stuff is marketing when they say something's coming to an end. So how many times did Jay Z retire and still putting out <laughs> albums? So you know, yeah, we'll, we'll probably see them again. But and I would I'd be happy to see Ray, Finn, and Poe again. Um, and I think we'll see Luke and Leia in you know maybe the Obi Wan series as little children and. You know, we'll probably see them in the past, maybe in the Force Ghosts' future. Like, I think they'll always be a part of it in just a small way. It won't be focused. And they'll say it's not Skywalker. It's just they're just uh, little ancillary characters at this point. Yeah, the saga's over, but they could appear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think think the saga's done for now, uh, but there's no reason they couldn't pick it up from where they left off. I mean, she buried the lightsabers in in Tatooine. I mean, does someone find those down the road? Uh, Is there more story to tell for Ray now that she's made her yellow lightsaber. I mean, they, yeah. they left they left the door open. Uh, I don't think they're going to go back there right away, but five no. to ten years down the road, um, I find it hard to believe they wouldn't go back. So, uh, And probably with more movies. Uh, I don't think they're going to make this a TV series. I think they'll bring the characters back and, and do something down the road, but uh, I think they have to see that the demand is there, and they probably have to let it breathe and let the actors yeah. have a break, and uh, and then as, as Lupe and Christian said, you know, money, money will talk. So, um, for now, sure, it's done. But uh, will we have an episode 10, 11, 12 down the road? Yeah, maybe. Not, not I think, convinced they will. I think Ray's a guarantee. I think she's a guarantee. But outside of that, I don't know what's a guarantee. But I think she's an in, you know? Sure seems like it, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. All right, and with that, we have had a, a marathon review here. Um, hopefully some of our listeners are still with us. Uh, as a special bonus, Craig was recently at uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disney World on uh, New Year's Eve. So, Craig, what can you tell us about Galaxy's Edge? And in particular, what can you tell us about how uh, this film appears in the attractions, which I understand it is already appearing in the attractions there? Okay, so first off, it's it's amazing. It's awesome. Uh, the, you feel immersed in the Woo-hoo! world. And, and the whole Hollywood Studios now just feels very Star Wars. Because they still have the Star Tours and the Jedi training for the kids, which is outside of Galaxy Edge. And it, it's and then there's an, another portion, the launch bay that has um, characters meeting characters there in a movie and all sorts of set pieces and uh, uh, great stuff. It's very Star Wars. So it's and they have a whole show in the middle of the park. that's all Star Wars. It's a good 30 minutes long. So it's just you're immersed in Star Wars and Galaxy's Edge. It looks amazing. It looks like you're on a movie set. It looks like you're on a different world. 
it's packed with people all enjoying it. My kids loved it. My wife doesn't care that much about Star Wars and she thought it was great. Um, she was right into it. The rides are, are really fun. The, the Star Tours is actually the biggest tie-in, which is one of their older rides, is the biggest tie-in to the movie where now they have scenes from the Rise of Skywalker um, in that. And was then, it the light speed jumping? Um, not really. Not per se. No? I mean, they do jump around, but it's not the skipping. Like, oh, it's just wow, the okay. kind of natural – it's that, the natural that, way they they've always done it. You just oh, you go from yeah one part of the galaxy to another, but it's that not the scene skipping. seemed like it was made specifically for Star Tours. Yeah, and from then the first time I saw that movie, I thought it was made for Star Tours. Yeah, no, no, not really. I wouldn't say hmm. so. And um, but it's fun. And then um, the two new rides are incredible. the The Smugglers Run Millennium Falcon one is uh, it's uh, it's kind of more like a solo. Actually, it has some tie-ins to Solo. It looks has a solo feel to it. It's it's new stuff, but it looks very solo. And the rise of the resistance is is tied into the to the uh, the sequel trilogy, just Kylo Ren and the the First Order, and it's it's they're both a lot of fun. They're really well done. And a little tip, um, so getting on to uh, the new rides can be tough. So the new rise of the resistance, I didn't think I'd have a chance to get on at all because apparently had to be at the park at four uh, five a.m. just to get in line to get a spot which then you would go later in the day, like basically make a reservation. But what I found out is when I arrived in the park, it actually online right through the app, you can say I'm here and I want to get in line and you join a group and then they call your group. And I had a really high number, so I didn't expect they'd ever get to it. And in fact, it said, if you're above this number, you're probably not going to get called. You may, you're basically on standby, but they did get to my number by, I got to the park at nine and I got on the ride, maybe six, six thirty. Um, which was awesome because I really didn't think I'd get on. So it was a great surprise. And with the smugglers run, I went in the single rider line with my eight year old daughter. So that cut the time in half. We had to go in different groups, but we were still in right until the very end, we were together. And then we just went in different pods to, to, uh, you know, to actually ride the ride. And then we met up again, right coming out. So, um, she was old enough to do that on her own and she was fine with it. So we did it. So that's my two little tips to get through things faster and actually get on these rides. And uh, I highly recommend you go and the, the food, everything's like the, the writings in Arabesh and Kylo Ren is walking around the park, like intimidating people. And it's, it's really cool. Awesome. Can't wait to go get myself a, uh, a $20 spiked blue milk. <laughs> yeah. I didn't try any of that stuff. I, yeah, just, I had a Ronto wrap, which was, it was actually nothing spectacular, but. Some of the other food was actually cool. Nice. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be down there in July. Hopefully uh, you'll be able it's to come it. meet us there. So yeah, uh, can't, can't wait. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end. Uh, so this has been a long one, but uh, thank you guys for sticking it out with me and, and going through this. Um, I, I've enjoyed this. I enjoyed the movie. Uh, Lupe, uh, this may have been like <laughs> homework to you, but uh, thank you for sticking it out with us. No, it, um, it was fun. It's always fun to, you know, to, to talk to you guys. And that's what our whole collective is about that's what podcasting is about it's about communities about friendships and us you know discussing that will always be fun regardless of what it is absolutely so so guys why don't you let us know uh, let our listeners know where they can find you um christian we'll uh, we'll start with you I agree with you, by the way. This was a lot of fun. It's it's always good to talk about Star Wars, and uh, I wound up enjoying this more than I thought the movie. I knew I was going to enjoy talking to you. I knew I was going to enjoy talking to you guys. That I knew. So, But but the movie definitely enjoyed it more than I thought I would. So hit me up. You want to talk to me about movies, Star Wars, whatever. I'm on Twitter at Chart6363. I'm the therapeutic guitarist. All right, Lupe. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at LiveLoveLupe. 
please, you know, subscribe to the Film Exiles, support our reviews, podcasts, and, you know, talk to us. We are very friendly. We talk back. <laughs> awesome. Craig? Yeah, thanks again, guys, for having me as a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I have a website, thelastdragontribute.com, where we pay tribute to one of the greatest films of all time called The Last Dragon, um, which is a cult classic movie from the 80s. And I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at The Last Glow and at The Craig Sutton. Thanks again, guys. Awesome. Well, thank Thank you again, guys, for uh, for joining me today. This is this has been great. Um, as Lupe mentioned, you can find this podcast uh, on on Twitter at the Film Exiles. Uh, me personally, you can find me on Twitter at uh, underscore Paul underscore P on Twitter. Um, depending on how you're listening to this, you can find us on YouTube at the Film Exiles. Alternatively, if you're listening on our audio channels, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Pocket Cast, Breaker, and a handful of others. We're actually hosted out of an app called Anchor, so you can find us on Anchor. That's our home uh, home base for audio channels. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. As Lupe said, give us your feedback through whatever channel you're listening, um, or go on Twitter. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we're happy to uh, happy to get the feedback and happy to respond if uh, anything is anything you guys want to discuss. So thanks again for listening, guys. It's been great. I really enjoyed it, and we'll uh, we'll talk more Star Wars soon. <laughs>